We're live. We're live. We're rolling. Hello, yeah. everyone. Welcome back to DMs After Dark for our uh, finale of our Crossroads Carnival series. Crossroads Carnival is a magpie ash cam written by Kate Bullock. Uh, we love magpie over here, and we keep, as is evident by the fact, we keep playing their stuff. Uh, and Ashcan is an extremely rules-light version of a game that may or may not ever be developed into a full game, but you can get them for like five bucks, and they're pretty dang awesome. Because they don't want to rip off the community. Because <laughs> they don't want to rip off the community. <laughs> um, and uh, Crossroads Carnival in particular is about a supernatural traveling carnival in the Dust Bowl America that goes around trying to divert the apocalypse through various ways. Um, before we get into it with, you know, content warnings and summaries and whatnot, I do want to take a minute to just say that, woo, it's been a wild week for gamers, huh? The Wizards OGL license. Um, just wanted to say to all of you gamers, creators, artists, and fans out there that we are so proud of all of you and we're proud to be a member of this community, um, especially after the uh, the announcement that Wizards made, which made it kind of very evident what a spanking they took from you guys. <laughs> Um, we're just very proud of you all for sticking up for each other, sticking up for creators, sticking up for your hobby and the community that we have built. Um, and we are proud to be pro small press, pro artist, pro creator, uh, pro collaborative spirit and anti greed. Um, and we will, we will continue to be with you guys and continue to showcasing new stuff. Yeah. And that's, you know, just to piggyback off is like when we started doing this, uh, our main idea and mission was always like, there are a lot of awesome games written by people out there in the community, and we want to make sure that other people know about them and try them out. And uh, hopefully now more people will find that message uh, after they've kind of, you know, seen the, the seedier end of massive corporations and how they just want to suck us dry uh, of uh -huh. money and control market share. But speaking of us as a, a tiny baby entity, uh, Ray and stuff. Thank you for being, I think, our first year-long subscriber. This is your 12-month anniversary of subscribing. Thank you Thanks, so much. Thanks, man. That's awesome. I'm pretty yeah. sure you are our first one year. Uh, very, very much appreciated. Thank you so much. That really means a lot to us. Helps us uh, pay to keep our podcast running and to keep all this up. So Thanks. And I'm glad you like us. Yeah. yeah they, like we... us. they really, <laughs> really like, like us. us. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so if people are not familiar, um, Amber, because uh, Ray isn't too familiar with everything going on with Watsy, could you give a brief describe of what's happening with that? So Wizards of the Coast was releasing basically the open gaming license version two, which revoked a lot of um, the uh, kind of privileges people had to use Wizards content. I put that in quotes because like, yeah, I see RPGs exactly. kind of. It would be kind of like um, kind of like some uh company that makes like canvases and paint, saying that you used our canvas and our paint. We have some rights to what you created with it, which is kind of bullshit, right? <laughs> yeah. So they're they're yeah. basically blocking people from being able to like kind of take D and D and create their own things, right? So this includes, um, at least previously, this included like streaming. This included a lot of like the third party games and like adventures and stuff like that that people would come up with and like original content that they would like base off of things. And they were trying to block that basically with their. And also trying to toe in and get a cut where they didn't block it. Correct. Well, right. uh, really, if, if you some, want to look at it, some yeah. claim to the licensing of things created by third parties. Correct. Which is also yeah. bullshit. 
Yep. And so and the internet uh, revolted and went, hey, this is bullshit and here's why. Uh, Watsi is trying to kind of take a step back and be like, hey, this isn't what we meant. But the whole internet's basically been like, it's too late. <laughs> They're like, yeah. it got leaked. You asked publishers to sign NDAs. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you ever were looking for a sign from the universe that now is the time to check out something new and different in the RPG community, this is the one. Literally throw a dart at any of the non-Wizards of the Coast RPG products that exist, and you will hit something great and indie and creative and probably something that will give you a free PDF when you purchase the hard copy book. (laughs) There are so many games out there that you will have never heard of other than by complete chance. 90% of the games that we've played on the stream, I had never heard of until one of these guys was like, hey, I want to run this. How does that sound? And I'm so fucking happy that I've got a chance to give all these things a try. Um, Even from, you know, as someone that's a nervous GM, some of these games have been so easy to jump in and run. So if you're nervous to GM because Dungeons and Dragons is this big thing, Find a little thing and run it, and and it'll so get many you of these that... systems are easier. Yeah, it's the so rules much are just fun. so much easier. Mm-hmm. And some of them are harder if that's what you want. Yeah, that's right. True. Yeah, the the flavor that you want is if you out want there. Harder, you can always get into shadow run. <laughs> oh, God, I was trying don't. to think of the name. There is. <laughs> Do you want just... the sound of a million six sided die clacking? <laughs> Do you want that again and again? And again. <laughs> that actually sounds wonderful. <laughs> it's a very rhythmic sound. Yeah. And the sad thing is, I love Shadowrun. I just don't love the system. <laughs> I've like, always wanted to play it, but I'm terrified. I do. Too. I want to play it too, but the rule, the world is awesome, but the rules are like, oh. And the rule book is laid out horribly. The book oh, awful. You. The book will mm-hmm. you. <laughs> awful. But anyway, that is what's going on. Yes, and if we you love the nerds. yes, and if you want more information, um, we did post a link with more information on our Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's also on Twitter. But uh, if you want to learn more, there's stuff there. Yeah. Stay united, folks, and eat the rich. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Um, Getting back toward tonight's session. We are here at our grand finale of Crossroads Carnival. So we will see how these twisted webs we have woven shall fall. Um, Before we get into it, a little bit of a content warning for you all. Uh, due to the improvisational nature of RPGs, it is impossible to predict everything that might come up in um in our game. But there are a few things I can give you a fair heads up on that are likely to occur. Uh, in this particular uh, series, uh, there will be violence and abuse toward children, which is non-sexual. Uh, you're, I'm running it, so you're sure to encounter themes about misogyny, patriarchy. Um, there will also be themes regarding mental illness, uh, general violence and emotional abuse, uh, a fair amount of body horror. There's some Judeo-Christian religious horror, a little bit of pagan horror uh, that is more on the folkloric side than on the religious or practicing side. And um, so basically, everybody take care. Be safe. Um, I love horror games, and one of the one of the goals of horror games is to make people uncomfortable. But we never want any of our viewers to be so uncomfortable as to the point that they are unsafe. So we want to terrify you, make you squirm, make you hurt, make you think about things, but not to the point where you are unsafe. So... Keep yourselves protected and take care. Um, and getting on into our recap. So our Crossroads Carnival here has been touring the uh, Dust Bowl Midwest America 
going from small failing town to small failing town, performing uh, and trying to scrape together enough earnings to keep their carnival just going on to the next one, staying onto the road. We are in December of 1938 when our carnival, uh, was, which was supposed to be in a much bigger town, uh, come the holidays, uh, but due to a series of unfortunate circumstances, has found itself in Silence, Oklahoma. Silence is a small town of just 300 in the middle of the Oklahoma panhandle, surrounded by absolute nothing except for a large stretch of Great Plains shelter belt on the edge of the town, which uh, is was an attempt by the government to shelter some of these uh, worst-hit uh, Dust Bowl areas from the grinding winds and erosion of topsoil. Um, and in this small town, our uh, our cast has discovered, our cast and performers have discovered that things are a little different in silence. Um, namely, they're a little bit better. Uh, they've been traveling around in some of the worst conditions of poverty and starvation and desperation you can imagine for several years. But the people of silence look a little better off. Uh, nobody here is completely emaciated, though nobody has extra pounds, shall we say, to shed. But the clothes are in better shape. Um, there's still some plants growing in some of the gardens and little bits of farmlands around. There's an occasional dog or pet that is thin but fit around. And the spirits are a little bit higher. Um, it wouldn't be a stretch to call it prosperous in comparison to the surrounding areas. Uh, they set up their first show. Uh, and the folks of the town did come for that entertainment. Uh, our players here and our casts and characters uh, entertained and disturbed and frightened the people of silence with their various uh, performances and displays. Everything from the beautiful, the strange, to the grotesque. And uh, they had a suitable array of reactions from the townsfolk. Uh, some of them were fascinated, drawn in. Uh, some of them were disgusted and intrigued, um, and they left with mixed feelings, but they did leave parted from some of their money. Uh, during the performance, the cast had several interactions with different children from the town um, and began to realize something more is going on in silence, something a little more wrong. There are a lot of signs that the children are somehow being abused. They are frightened. Something has occurred where children have gone missing in the past couple years um, that they discovered through various investigations and or abilities. Um, but they closed up camp. And uh, that night, one of the local townsfolks came to Sandor wanting to join on a pregnant woman named Emma, who really felt she could not stay in silence, especially when she was expecting a child so soon. And she basically begged for the carnival to take take her with them. Uh, Sandor, being the sweet, gentle giant that he is, <laughs> comforted Emma and brought her to speak to the ringmaster, Wayland, who offered her a job, paid, to sort of help out with the roustabout duties as she is able. And the next day, uh, called a sort of little meeting over breakfast and had several of the characters go into the town to buy supplies needed by the carnival and for all, and perhaps some extras for a, um, a new member of the family who is soon expecting. Um, Fenemy and Sandor went to retrieve some of Emma's personal belongings. She did not pack them with her when she stayed the night before. And Levi 
uh, went out to buy some regular supplies from the general store, where he received a very harsh and unwelcoming um, interaction with the general storekeeper, who is taking none too kindly to the strange folks in this good Christian town. Fenemy and Sandor uh, got a little bit more of the story from Helen, the woman that Emma was staying with, and basically gathered that Emma has been um, sort of ostracized along with Helen. Helen, for unknown reasons, Emma, clearly because she is a young mother who is having a child out of wedlock, and just basically pushed toward the very border of the town and um, really outcasted and sort of shamed and whatnot for her choices. Um, but they could tell that there was a lot of love there from Helen. Uh, they gathered her things, made a couple exchanges, uh, passed along some heartfelt goodbyes, uh, returned to town, met up with the sheriff's son, who also had some cryptic but disturbing things to say about his father and missing girl Ruth. Um, but nevertheless, uh, as their feelings and suspicions continue to grow that something is Children are going missing in silence. There's a lot of fear and tension. Something is not right, especially with the church, especially with the management. Um, and they headed back to the carnival. Our two missing folks who got off into their own trouble, Yeva and Joan, uh, found themselves the next morning in uh, very, very different locales. <laughs> Joan woke up in some woods. Some woods that are very unlike the shelter belt and Great Plains trees that were planted um, on the outskirts of town. Some woods that are tall and ancient and smell like a place and time very, very far from here. Uh, woke up naked, alone, with a small panicked puppy. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, one of the locals, a woman named Mary, that some of the other locals on their first night were calling Mad Mary, uh, skidding a rabbit chatting with her about how she belongs here uh, with Mary and here in the woods and that they're so close to having enough friends. Joan didn't really like that. That's creepy. The puppy in particular did not like that and spent the entire time huddling and shivering at Joan's ankles in terror. Um, Joan managed to politely... A little sarcastically Lightly. disengaged. He and Toto got the fuck out of there. <laughs> disengaged from Mary. Mary didn't seem too concerned when Joan scooped up the dog and was like, thanks for the offer, but I'm gonna go. And took off. Um, and she found herself wandering some very, very strange, very hostile, dark-seeming woods alone, completely lost. Yeva woke up in the sheriff's bed. <laughs> With the unsuspecting sheriff sleeping soundly sort of able to do whatever the fuck she wanted in the morning, which she definitely got right to doing. Uh, she went through some of the sheriff's personal effects, took a few trinkets from what we assume to be his dead wife. They were boxed up, hidden in his closet. And also, of course, took his gun and his wedding ring before sneaking back out, uh, having a brief conversation, brief, somewhat awkward conversation with his young son, who was sitting at the table, kind of like, the fuck? <laughs> And then uh, she GTFO'd back to the circus with her haul. Beautiful. The Walk of Pride. That's right. Oh, that's, uh, that's exactly what we should call it. It was beautiful. The Walk, the Victory That's exactly what it was. March, really? <laughs> no shame there yeah. for Yeva. No, no, no. She got her prize. The Victory March. All three of them. <laughs> Towards the end of our very last session, 
Uh, Joan, still panicked and alone in the forest, uh, finally uh, sensing moving things closing in on her all around, the puppy in new terror, uh, her instinct sort of kicked in and she dropped the puppy to run like the wind and save herself, only to have the human heartfelt part of her, or perhaps the wolf, this question's ambiguous there, uh, tell her to turn around and not abandon the small creature. So she ran back, scooped up the puppy, felt terrible for dropping it, and um, really saw no way out, was terrified alone, outnumbered by a threat she could not see or face. So she called out with a howl for her pack. Uh, Sandor and several others heard said Howell. Sandor is gr good friends with Joan. They understand each other in a way that perhaps many in the others in the circus do not. Immediately took off toward the sound of that howl. Joan is in trouble. Sandor is on the way, tearing huge ruts in the earth as he went. <laughs> and Giant I believe that is. Uh, Levi is too, correct? Yes. And Levi also went uh, with the small boy. Um, which one are you? With Eli, um, a small boy probably about six years old, um, who he found in the woods earlier, sort of playing in the creepy woods. Uh, so the child seems to know his way around there a little bit. So Levi also joined taking Eli with him. Hmm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the rest of the folks back at the carnival saw an oncoming procession of vehicles from the town. The vehicle in the lead being the sheriff's pickup truck that Yeva recognizes from, you know, sneaking out of his house by his truck in the morning. And uh, our um, entertainers and roustabouts and just this whole little carnival community sort of gathered round, taking their various implements, you know, a hammer here, a big stick there, baseball bat here, and sort of just ringed up together in a little structure of support at the, approach, at the approaching locals. And that is where we will, in fact, pick up. Uh, Joan is asking what a roustabout is. Uh, roustabout uh, or rousty is usually somebody who does a lot of the uh, breaking down and oh, okay. setting up of the carnival. Okay. They're sort of behind the scenes workers. They keep equipment running. They do heavy lifting. They move Stage things. Crew. That gotcha. sort of stuff. Yep. The carnival roadies. hands. Roadies. Yeah. Oh, roadies. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I couldn't think of the name Rody. I was I was thinking groupie. I was trying to think of it. <laughs> Possibly two, but Very they actually get paid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we are going to pick up right where we left off with the oncoming procession of vehicles toward the carnival grounds. Um, Yeva had Emma uh, kind of hide in her personal wagon. Uh, she does not, knowing that she does not really need to be uh, subjected to any more of these people's cruelty, especially in her condition, and assured her that they would handle this. <laughs> Yeva and She's Senemi. one of them now. They've yep. got this. <laughs> uh, and Mahela, the giant python. <laughs> hey, I don't no, think we're going to be able to Mahela. eat anyone in front of the town people yet, though. Mahela has uh, room if you get for at all. least one more man. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. <laughs> Just saying. If we eat them all. I love it. Sarah. I love it when Jess's like vicious side comes up. <laughs> eat them all. Hacks between the wolf and the snake. <laughs> All I'm saying is Joan's got a lot of puppies that we could feed. Oh. A whole pack. <laughs> and we've got two evil men. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Snake and a pack of puppies. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Wayland joins uh, his people uh, kind of in the little mob that is 
standing at the front of the carnival grounds waiting for these vehicles to roll up. Uh, Yeva um, and Fenemy, <clears throat> you are among the people gathering and whatnot. Yeva, I believe you have the gun with you. She does, although she is not brandished. Yeah, it's hidden. Tucked in the back, you know, away. She's got a series of flowy skirts that no one knows what's under there but her, and there is, in fact, a loaded (laughs) gun in there. Secret pockets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. There are four vehicles in this procession, led by the sheriff's pickup truck. And the uh, truck kind of comes up fast, brakes hard, kicking up a huge swath of just dust that billows over the gathered um, carnival folk. And uh, the sheriff gets spares no time in getting out of the truck. He's the first one out. The driver's door of the pickup truck opens, slams shut. He's got a rifle with him. And um, folks from the other vehicles start getting out as well. of Passenger seat, driver's seat, um, the back of different pickup trucks and whatnot. There's a good little crowd here of, say, 15 folk from within silence. Um, all of them men. Uh, one or two have long guns. Uh, the rest are either currently unarmed or holding perhaps something like a baseball bat. Uh, but the sheriff sort of, he storms forward. He's got his badge pinned on his breast, on his jacket pocket in full view. He's got the long gun in one hand. He doesn't have it racked or held up to his shoulder or anything, but he's got it out and he wants to make sure you all see it hat on uh and he sort of just storms forward not even really waiting for the crowd to gather at his back just with the utmost confidence that they will be there and he says i'm sheriff graham harper of silence you will turn over that harlot thief right now uh who is he addressing particularly just the crowd he just sort of kind of yelled it out okay at all of you um Wayland also does not hesitate and immediately steps forward and he's holds up his hand. Wayland has always been very much of a peacemaker. Um, and he's always been very kind and compassionate and gentle with you all. Sometimes kind and compassionate and gentle with uh, outside folk who maybe don't deserve it even. Fenemy's going to be right next to him. Like, one right step back, him. but right next to him. Yep. Holds up his hand and he says... Whoa, whoa, everyone there, like, take it easy. We're, we're happy to talk about what happened. Let's just, let's just talk. And the sheriff um, sort of cocks his head a little bit. And he says, what, are you, are you the ringmaster here? Are these, is this your operation? And Waylon just nods and he says, I, yes, this is my carnival. I'm, I'm Waylon Price. And uh, Graham kind of walks up to him really, really close, that one step too far into his personal space for a friendly conversation sort of thing. And he says, I have it on good authority. Several people in the town saw one of your folks sneaking out of a personal building this morning, and effects are missing. We don't take kindly to thieves in silence. If you don't you know, want trouble, you will turn them over now. It's it's funny you say that. And she just twirls her hair and walks a little forward. I I wonder who could have been leaving a building so early in the morning. And she just stares daggers with a gleaming smile. Benemy is also staring at him, but it's like, it's more like a reading of him. Staring through him. Staring through him. To the core of his soul. Exactly. 
the jaw muscles in this man's face here, they tighten and clench, and you see, like, that little feathering around his eye there, just barely contained rage as he looks at you. He knows. He knows, and you know, and nobody else does, and you know he doesn't want them to. <laughs> but he says, witnesses say it was a woman. There's an awful lot of women here. You gonna make a search them all, or are you gonna turn over the guilty party? Someone knows what they did. And he's boring his gaze into you as he says that. I mean, I'm quite easy to search. What are you trying to find, though? He's like, a firearm, some jewelry. Who do they belong to? Could you describe them? Maybe we could find them better that way. That's not important. It's a plain band, and it's a Colt 45. That sounds like a gun that might have existed back then. He yeah, says no, with more confidence that's than fine. I. Yeah, no, that works. Yeah. That works. And if you get these items you're looking for, you'll leave our little family alone? It'd be best if you be gone before nightfall. Well, we planned on leaving today. We're hardly being an issue. Great. Looks like we're almost at an accord. Now if the thief will be turned over. And Wayland is like looking between Yeva and Graham. <laughs> And Waylon knows exactly what has occurred again. <laughs> Waylon knows exactly. Again. He comes forward and he says, Sheriff, Sheriff, perhaps as we would like to be out of here before nightfall. It seems that all you fine folk would also like to have your, your town back for the holiday this evening. Um, can we can we come to a settlement, uh, a monetary settlement for the value of the items missing, perhaps? It'll, it'll get everybody out of here quicker. And Graham just kind of holds up a hand in Wayland's direction without even looking at him. He says, no. Good people of silence cannot be bought. They want justice. So then, why are you here threatening us with your weapons? If all that was stolen was a couple of petty items. A gun is not a petty item. Especially when we don't know... What kind of ill intent the folk who took it might have. And he has that, that look of disgust again on his face as he's just looking at you up and down. Kind of like you're the biggest piece of shit he's ever looked at. <laughs> Which is great because she's looking at him the exact same fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Oh, I got it. I got it. Thank you. So she she just kind of twirls her hair a little, and she <laughs> oh, how much of a shithead do I want to be right now, guys? Be a big shithead because I'm about Voices. to do something really stupid. So she go for it. Re oh, <laughs> uh, she reaches under her shirt. And then between two fingers pulls out his wedding ring and just goes, this what you're looking for, darling? Sorry about that. And just hands it over. He's so red right now. He uh, snatches it out of your hand and he, he kind of glances at it and he says, <laughs> this does appear to match the description. Oh good, your <laughs> finger looks a little empty there. He's actually wearing gloves. 
<gasps> but she doesn't say that because he's a little sneaky bitch. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Well, I'm I'm sure the, the the fine gentleman who belongs to will be pleased to have it back. He's like, you took this? I don't know if she took it or if that things sometimes go missing. You know. Missing. Yeah, Eric well, Pike. maybe it, maybe a night at the station Ruthie. will clear her mind. Turn around, Ruthie, you're under that arrest. name ring a bell? I'm actually, before he does that, uh, I'm going to show him darkness. <gasps> hey. Embrace the darkness, bitches. Uh, so I have Embrace to roll the darkness. plus breath. And mark darkness on your sheet. And mark Not darkness. Not that I think we'll get enough for that to come to anything in this short session, but. <laughs> so I do that. Never and know. I have some rerolls, I think, right? Because I really want this to go well. Uh, I do have a rerolls all around from last time, Banks. Sweet. Yes. So, uh, okay. Uh, die hard dice, don't let me down. Oh, shit. Sweet. Uh, six, seven, eight, uh, nine. Nine. All right. Nine. So I am going to, so I have, uh, show someone true pain, rip the darkness from their soul, show someone true fear, they must either run from you or freeze in place, your choice. Show someone, someone true disgust, extend your abilities to do something inhuman. Show someone true grief, take something valuable to him. I'm going to show him true fear. Okay. Uh, so what, what I do you, really, what do you show this man? Uh, I'm sorry, Doc White, I'll get closer to my mic. Uh, let me know if that keeps working. Uh, I will, I want him to feel what that girl who came in, who missed her sister felt. All right. Fenemy. And the way Fenemy does it, uh, what was, do you remember what her name was? Uh, Ruthie was the missing girl, right? Never, Ruth is the never missing gave. girl. She never gave her name. She one. never gave her name. Okay. So, uh, so I'm like, um, sometimes things go missing like Eric or Ruthie. You remember Ruthie, right? missing how do you think her family feels and as she says it like her voice kind of like gets into that like like when kate blanchett is playing gladriel and like frodo tries to give her the ring and she's like and you'll have a queen like he has that moment where i'm like you remember ruthie right motherfucker yeah and like you know her eyes like go like completely not human they're ancient as they are but he only he's the only one who sees it everybody else is going to see uh something you know let me turn my mic up a little bit more uh something different um and just like bore into this man's soul uh, and just let him feel what I felt from that sister when I read her. All right. So uh, you get closer and closer. And though your though your actual size doesn't change to this man, your shadow becomes larger and larger and larger, dwarfing him. Nice. Uh, and you get two steps too close into his personal space, a step farther than even he did. And in the reflections of your eyes, uh, he can see uh, this girl. This girl who has lost her sister and who knows that everyone that is supposed to love and protect her is lying to her about it. And she doesn't know why. She doesn't know what happened to her sister. She doesn't know if she's okay. She doesn't know what's going to happen to her or her friends. She knows that it's happened once before and that they keep lying. Her parents, her mother, her father, the church. All these places she was supposed to be safe, they're not safe. She doesn't know if they ever were. She doesn't know if they ever will be again. But there is nowhere in this small, good town that is the only place she has ever known that she can go. And the only person she would have trusted is gone. 
that overwhelming feeling of isolation and betrayal um, fills your eyes in flashes. And the sheriff sees right through it, right into it, as it cuts through all of the bluster, all of the posturing, all of the anger. Cuts all the way to the bone. Do you want him to freeze or flee? I want him to flee. I just like I make him feel all of that. And then at the very end, as he's staring in my face and his face is just like, I'm just like, leave this place. His expression is stricken. If, if perhaps he if it had gone just a half a step farther, his hair might have turned white. That's how pale and just stricken this man's expression is. He takes a half a step back, drops the ring. It just falls from his hands. Like his hands don't really work anymore. Um, and he, he backtracks, walking backwards, not looking away from you until he reaches the truck, almost staggering in a way. He yanks the door open and gets inside. The other crowd is like, Sheriff, like, Grant, what's going on? And he just starts the engine, cranks it into reverse, and tears out of there, cutting another huge swath in the dusty ground. Um, the uh, other folk are left in just complete, complete confusion. They're looking around. They're holding their guns. They clearly did not catch completely what transpired. But they look completely lost all of a sudden without the sheriff. So um, and his vehicle Fenemy, just cuts right back towards silence like a bad Fenemy, Fenemy looks at all of them and just now as a sweet old lady is like, you may leave. Picks up the ring and just gives it to like the nearest one. Oh, no, no, like, no. I was going to. Oh, never mind. Doesn't do that then. Doesn't do that then. Doesn't pick up the ring. Deva will slowly bend down and pick up the ring. And scan the crowd for a younger-looking-ish man, whoever. She's not particular with this. And she'll walk up to him, and she'll just hold it out. The sheriff's missing his ring. Would you mind giving it back to him for me? And plops it in the guy's hand. He looks at you with, like, half of what the sheriff was looking at Fenemy with, which is still an impressive amount of terror <laughs> at, your, at, your, at your approach. And you just kind of drop it into his limp hand and he just looks at it like it's a bug or something. Like he doesn't know what to do with it for a minute until the guy next to him just sort of like slaps him on the arm and he's like, let's get, let's get out of here. And then he, he like stumbles over his feet a couple times, closes his hand around the ring, looks at you and then just like runs back to the truck. <laughs> and she just turns and walks back with that little hip sway with the snake just over yep. her shoulder. And, and Fenemy's just like, like the nod, they've done this before. <laughs> These two have a routine. Yep. <laughs> Those guys get the fuck out of there. <laughs> and as you mentioned, you have done this before. Uh, Wayland has been through this before. He sort of knew right away what had happened and what was going on. Good man that he is trying to diffuse the situation, keep everything as peaceful and simple as possible. Um, but having done this several times before, you do also know that there is a not insignificant chance that they're going to come back <clears throat> in a little while um, a lot more hostile than they left this place. Uh, as soon as they get a chance to rally, put their heads together, start talking about God and the devil and right and wrong. Um, about half the time things like this happen, a mob comes back. <laughs> so, you 
have that victory, possibly a brief one in your hands right now. But you know that um, silence, though, calling it welcoming even on your first night would have been a stretch, is definitely going to be much less so uh, come tonight. And the sun is already very, very low. So uh, Fenemy just looks at Yeva and she's like, Sandor better find Joel quickly. That's what I'm worried about. And she looks at Whale and just goes, look, I didn't know if when he said Harlot Thief, he meant me or poor Emma. I'm used to it. She doesn't fucking deserve it. <laughs> Whalen just gives you like, it's almost like a pleading look like, why do you keep doing this? But then he just sighs because he understands why and he can't. And he just, he just nods and gives you like a little pat on the shoulder. And then he walks back and he's like, okay, like, start packing, everybody, start packing. <laughs> Uh, and he asks Enemy's a, a little drained because that, a watch. He's yeah. like, uh, keep a watch on the horizons here for us. <clears throat> Whistle yeah, if you see anything. I would say Fenemy's probably a little drained, so she's going to go um, hang out with Yeva and the snake and chill. <laughs> Emma, Yeva, the snake, hit an opium. <laughs> Not going to hit opium around a pregnant woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Yeva, her next step would be to go check in on, on Emma. Um, we will come back to that. We're going to yeah. pop over to uh, Sandor, Levi. Um, Levi, now played by Christian. Ah, as Troy. Troy is being a, a, a hero and being stuck in a mandatory holdover at the fire station to make sure that there are enough people to stop, you know, Buildings from burning down and people from buying. Because <laughs> he's awesome like that. Uh, Sandor, you tear off toward the woods. Yep. Uh, Levi, for being an almost skeletal dude who looks like he is one cancer molecule away from dying, <laughs> is somewhat keeping up. <laughs> I would say, like, Levi's running behind him, but when Levi runs, especially if no one's around to see, it almost becomes like a four like four legged run because he just like kind of starts loping. Well, we we do have a uh, yeah. he's, he's, he, got, he's he, carrying he, a he's child. A, yeah, he's got a child. Oh, he's got the child. Oh, Never he's got Eli. I thought we left the kid. I thought yeah, we the left kid the kid. Knows the way. He's ah, okay. In him. that case, he's just the he's still he's like he's like let me. He's like come, little one. We'll go faster if I carry you. And like puts the kid on his shoulder and starts running, but it's still like a weird like. <laughs> <laughs> Run. Eli actually like laughs a little bit. It's like a small little giggle of like, this is a little scary, but I'm sort of having fun. And it's one <laughs> of the only sounds you've heard this kid make. This kid has not spoken a word since you've met him. He communicates um, with his brother um, without speaking. He makes gestures or little grunts and expressions and his brother seems to just understand what he has to say. Uh, but there's a, a little um, appropriately young giggle of enjoying this seeing <laughs> that, that only a six-year-old who has no idea whose shoulder he's on and where right. he is going could possibly have <laughs> what rough beast slouches towards Jerusalem to be born uh so he like kind of levi like gives him like a little like horsey back ride a little bit to make it a little more fun with him while we're doing it like we're going into hell but enjoy the ride yeah, really fun. <laughs> <laughs> having um, fun <laughs> i'm alone Sandor, the most direct route to the woods does take you very damn close oh, to the town. Oh, thank you, Doc Boyd. And you a couple townsfolk. Um, there's a lot of townsfolk that are kind of on the streets now that you've noticed. Uh, they were not like this the first few times that you have come in and out of town. Um, it looks like 
almost everyone who can be outside is outside and they're like waiting for something uh, and they're looking for something and they see you running up and they sort of back closer to their doorways or um, put like an object or a tree or post or something sort of between them and you. Um, Perfect. But a shit ton of them are watching. Nobody gets in your way as you haul off into the woods here. But you are seen by many, many people. Uh, same thing for you, Levi. Like, you are seen. You are seen with this child, and that does occur to you. Running yeah. into the woods. That's not good. Mm. But um, it takes you, with your <laughs> with your long, brown-eating strides, no time to just blow past silence into the um, line of the shelter belt. And uh, quickly, your senses sort of they sort of spin almost. You get a, a sensation of like lightheadedness almost. You feel dizzy for a second. And all of a sudden, like the sound quality changes. It almost feels like your ears need to pop. Like the pressure has changed. The altitude, the moisture in the air, the humidity, the temperature, everything about it is suddenly different. And it's different in a way that's hard to place at first. You're like, is this colder? Is this warmer? It's, it's more damp. Uh, and it's dark all of a sudden. The woods are very, very dark. Um, you're shocked by it because from the edge, you you see the shelter belt and you can see through to the other side. You can see light on the other side of the plains. It's not miles and miles strip of woods by any means, but you can't see light on the other side anymore. And when you look back around, there's a second Sandor where you have a, a little moment of panic. Like, I, you're going to be looking for two people because you don't see Levi right away and you don't hear mm-hmm. Like, oh shit, I've, I, I lost Levi and the kid and Joan. And then you hear that that little that little kind of giggle of uh, Eli's and Levi and Eli come out from behind uh, like a thick spruce tree. Um, but it's it's distinctly clear to you that you are not in Oklahoma anymore. And the woods here is very very dark. It was it's getting close to sunset in Oklahoma, and here it seems almost like full night now. You can kind of tell just by the little bits of slash of sky you can get through some of the branches that there's a little bit of daylight left up there. But down here by the forest floor, dozens and dozens and dozens of feet below some of these absolutely towering ancient trees, it might as well be night. Um, It takes you a moment to orient yourself and you hear another long drawn out uh, howl echoing through the woods. and this one's a little harder to follow. Uh, it was very clear to you on the plains that Joan's howls were coming from within the shelter belt. But now that you're inside this woods, the howl is bouncing off all of these trees. It seems to be coming from all of these directions. It's very confusing. Uh, what do you do? I'll uh, look to Le- uh, Levi. <clears throat> I'll look to Levi and... Uh... Uh, Eli there. And Levi like, and Eli. Ah. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Easy enough to remember. We uh, we should probably find Joan as quick as possible, and I don't think it would be ver- a very good idea to spend night uh, in this or any more night in this uh, what should have been small wood. Levi is like sniffing around the air and like almost like sticking his tongue out like a snake and like trying to taste it. And then he like, he looks at you when he says that and he goes, and that I agree with you, Titan. 
I think this calls for some kind of roll. If you yeah, want to, I was yeah. just gonna see what your moves. Let me. I'm gonna see if nothing quite fits what you want to try to do. Just describe to me what you're trying to do, and we'll just call for a stat roll. <laughs> I mean, I kind of just want to like keep an eye out for trouble. Is what like yeah. is the closest one, but. Really, I'm trying to like triangulate kind of where the howls are coming from. Because I'm the trouble, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Keep an eye what out else for is trouble. new? Trouble Jones' middle name <laughs> is Trouble. Gravy Boat <laughs> Captain Joan. Does she have a. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, oh my no. gosh. We need to share that on DMs After Dark Media. No, no. <laughs> yep. No, no. We no, do. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, I won't make both of you do it. One of you, keep an eye out for trouble and sort of take point on this. What's uh, uh, I have? I, I do have a plus one in guile, which is I what uh, have no idea what Troy had. Uh, and guile is uh, guile, he has a plus one and two, so um, okay, doesn't matter. Why don't you do it? All right, Sandra has a somewhat more urgent need to find Joan, yeah, so. yeah, bestie, bestie, this homeboy. Uh, I'm alone. I'm hungry. I'm the dog. Going to use that re-roll because yeah. I missed it by one. <laughs> we should have two re-rolls now because we had another re-rolls yes. all around. Yep, dog so, would give yeah. us another re-rolls all around. Don't worry, so. Jess will use all of them immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's Jeff's just biffs everything. That's all right. right. I'll just be stuck in these woods forever. Don't worry. If we need more, I have more channel points than I know what to do with. Uh, and I really still need to fix how much those go for. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I did get a seven, which allows me to ask one question. And uh, I think I'm going to just go, uh, what's the best way out of this mess? Being what is the probably uh, That's the best, best way to find Joan. the most direct route to finding Joan. Yep. All right. Nice work, Sandor. Uh, you take a moment to sort of orient yourself uh, listening for another howl and you do hear another howl it's not joan's howl it is a smaller distinctly more dog-like howl Mm. but you know joan and her dog so you head for that one yep uh you start pushing your way through the forest crashing through branches trampling underbrush making a big splintery mess of things which on the one hand will hopefully be easier to follow back but on the other hand as you're absolutely tearing through this dense uh just thicket of growing things you feel a hostility from the forest it feels offended by your passage almost it feels you feel like the trees are looking down on you and being looked down on is not a sensation you being a giant are at all familiar with and you don't like it very much Mm. you just stepped on charlie (laughs) not charlie what did i name the the press board one of them was charlie Uh, urgent to find your friend very aware of fear in her calls and in the calls of her companion. Joan. Uh, you are huddled against this tree with this tiny dropped puppy that is now picked up again. <laughs> <laughs> Just shivering against you, clutched to your chest. Um, you've got your back pressed to a tree, especially because you feel like you're completely surrounded. And that's the only way to keep even one part of you safe right now. And while you're here, shivering, trembling, it's grown a lot colder. The damp has somehow seeped into most of your tattered clothes and it's clinging to your skin um and your fingers and toes are starting to go numb the tip of your nose you're just very cold you're very wet you're very alone 
and those dark, dark shadows have have deepened to a shade that is almost preternaturally dark. You see pretty well in the dark, um, but something about these shadows uh, is resisting even your keen sight. And in a shadow, slightly to your left, you see distinct movement. There is a shape there that at first looks like a tree. You see like the branches and whatnot, and then it moves. It just completely steps behind another tree. And as much as you hope and pray that that was a trick of the lighting or your fear, you know it is not. Um, and the pup lets out a sharp kind of piercing yelp, and it squirms in your arms. Um, almost like it's trying to get away from you now. Uh, it's fighting. It does not want to be here at all. What do you do? Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to try and kind of clutch on to the dog and try and calm it maybe a little bit and just be like, ah, hold on, hold on. And then I'm going to yell out at the, at the creature, just at the shadow, just be like, come out, come out, face me. Yeah, but I'm trying to do two things at once. So I don't know. If the pup that, is if, very small. So if you're not trying, if you would rather spend your action challenging this yeah, thing, exactly. you don't actually have to comfort it to hold on to it. You can just hold on to it. Yeah. It yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would want to use it to, I don't know what would calling it, would that be strike a deal? No, that wouldn't be strike a deal. Lash out with unsettling violence? I think that's actually like, You attract unwanted attention? That could be, yeah. That's a penalty for a poor roll on that one. Gotcha, gotcha. You can see here yeah I, I want it to I want to call out to it to, to face me to show itself I mean you can indulge your inner monster force another to reveal their hidden truth hmm. okay mm. all right I'll do that uh, summon the darkness to face you hold what does hold one mean that is a great question <laughs> <laughs> we went over this at one point somewhere yeah. Yep. At Gen Con, and then in my looking through of the rules again, I don't think I saw it again. <laughs> when you indulge your inner monster, hold one. Mark darkness to spend your hold one for one to choose Just one roll. from the list. <laughs> so this one doesn't have a roll. That's why I think... I think I think you're, like, gaining a darkness, but you're also using that darkness to uh, indulge in your inner monster. Is it maybe when you complete your darkness track, you get a hold? Oh, I think this is just letting you know that you can only do this once per session because your hold disappears mm -hmm. at the end of the session. All right, let's do it now. Let's do it now. So what would I roll? I think it just happens. Uh, you just choose. You just choose what you're doing. Oh. Yeah, mark darkness and spend your hold. So your hold is that darkness point, basically. For okay. one to choose one from the list. So you, you get, you mark darkness, and you kind of automatically get one of these, I think. Okay. Which makes sense, because you're, you're like, uh, you know, you're, you're letting, uh, letting the hair down here. I'm gonna summon the darkness to face me. All right, John. Uh, you clutch the puppy tighter to your chest, and his trembling and struggling actually stops. You're holding him firmly enough that 
he kind of goes limp against you the way a rabbit will when you catch it between your teeth, even before you've bitten down. Um, and you, you, you stand straight, you write in yourself and you're just like, come out here and face me. And that shape steps out the other side of that tree that it disappeared behind. And it still looks like a tree to you at this distance. It's a stunted tree. It's short. Um, it's jagged. Branches are broken off at sharp and cruel angles. It's maybe six, seven feet tall. But it comes toward you, and you hear it crunching in the underbrush. It's a wet and snapping sound at the same time. Uh, it steps out of those deeper shadows into a thin sliver of moonlight. And you see the light falling over bark and moss and areas where bark has been stripped away to reveal slashes of pale core wood. Actually skin. It comes closer and you see this mismatch of man and tree or boy and tree. Six, seven feet tall, broken limbs and spikes sticking out at strange angles. But on the trunk, in the trunk, there's places where that bark is rubbed or torn away, and there's still skin there, and it glistens with the moisture in the air and the moonlight, and you can see it flashing, almost like it's breathing a little bit inside. And kind of centered, five-ish feet off the ground, there's half of a face just pressed into the bark. There's one bulging eye, it can't blink anymore, and there's just something like blood or sap, a thick, sticky fluid just streaking the face. And the lips pulled aside. You can see a little bit of teeth there. It looks anguished, tortured. It doesn't make any sounds, any human sounds, just the sounds of the wood creaking, the snap of green wood as it comes closer and closer toward you. I'm going to take one or two slow steps back, and I'm just going to yell at it. What, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want from me? One of those jagged branches shifts forward. And again, you hear that snapping sound and you see bits of wood snapping and splintering the fibrous areas as it moves. And it stretches the branch toward you. And At the end of the branch, there's twigs, but also two fingers. And it's just reaching out toward you. I'm just going to keep backing up. The dog in your arms is completely still. If you didn't feel its ribs like pressing against your hold as it tries to breathe, you would think it is it has died. That's how that's how still it is, other than its breathing. Uh, and you feel the warmth as it as it urinates. It like voids its bladder just down down your skin and your chest. And that I'm reek probably of just doing pure, the same thing. <laughs> that reek of just pure animal fear. Um, overwhelms your senses. It overwhelms even that smell of the the raw earth and the mud and the wet growing things. And a part of that 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 wild living fear scent, it sets your teeth on edge. It makes that part of you that you don't always get along with, that part of you you fear, um, excited, hungry, and you're suddenly not sure if the puppy is safer in your arms than it would be on the ground. What do you do? I'm gonna run 
you turn on your heel and you tear off into the woods again. And as you go, you hear sound. It, it's a cry of some sort. It's so far from human, but there's something about it that's, that speaks of human just anguish or grief nonetheless. But it sounds like a stiff wind blowing through a, like a knot hole in a tree, through a hollow, through a branch. Um, and it just cries after you as you run. Uh, you tear through the woods, that sound at your back getting quieter and quieter as you put true distance between it. But it's still the only thing you can think of and the only thing you can hear. And you run almost directly into Sandor. <laughs> you didn't even notice the, the trees and the branching and, and the snapping of the just brush as Sandor tears through it. You didn't feel the, the rumble in the ground of his heavy steps landing until he's basically on top of you. Uh, Sandor, you're, you're, the, the howling had stopped, which frightened you. Mm -hmm. um, Joan had just been calling and so had whatever small dog or animal companion she had picked up. Um, and it went quiet about three minutes ago. Um, so how does that make you feel? I probably, uh, from like the last place we heard, <clears throat> uh, as I was kind of doing, uh, previously, I was, uh, kind of clearing a path for Levi and, uh, Eli to follow me. Uh, as soon as all cries stopped, that path got bigger. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and I got, uh, started going. Uh, faster towards where what uh, where the sound last was, and in your hurry, uh, that that carefulness that you normally conduct yourself with, that awareness of how much space you take up, and that effect on the things around you disappears, and you are fucking leveling small trees. And by small trees, I mean trees that are six or seven feet tall. In some cases, just knocking them straight over, snapping them off at the trunk. Um, and Joan is quiet when she's running, and so is her charge. So you mm -hmm. don't notice her until you almost mow her over, which is probably a very different kind of fear. <laughs> the yes. amount of damage you could do if you had truly collided with her. You miss narrowly by a couple inches, and it takes Joan a minute to even recognize you. You see that animal look on her face that's all instinct, all run now, stop, run, attack, fight, flee. It's all of those things um, in her eyes, and her eyes are not her eyes, they're the other eyes, the eyes she only has sometimes in the moonlight. And they're so bright and they're so big and they catch the the low light with like a flash that luminesce as she spins to face you. Joan and Sandor, you are next to each other. The scene is yours. I'm going to throw the, I'm going to like not throw the dog, but like kind of, oh no, you're the wrong person to yeah, push the dog no, into, no. but I am going to push the dog towards you and uh, kind of fall to the ground. Like, puppy flails puppy. a little bit in the air, but doesn't cry out or anything as it just comes toward you, Sandor, in the air. <laughs> um, And I'm just going to fall to like my hands and knees on the ground. Oh boy. Um, um Do you dodge the puppy? <laughs> you can dodge and wrench, you can This dog is dangerous between the both of us, Sandor. 
the best person to have this dog is Levi, and he's right behind me. He just ducks, and the dog just gets chucked right into Levi. <laughs> <laughs> the demon is carrying a kid and a puppy. It's not a demon. He's an <laughs> we will soften him yet. Child, giggling child on one shoulder, puppy on the other. Ah, uh, he's being humanized. He's being softened. <laughs> I, I want to say, because I'm not sure how far uh, Levi is behind me. He's, he's several yards behind you because you started hauling ass when yeah. she went quiet. So, Good news is your trail is easy to follow. Yeah. Um, so I'm probably going to like try and catch this puppy uh, cradling it like I would literally a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> like literally just like a flailing puppy comes at you and you catch the puppy like the fragilest football in the history of all football catches. Um, it's it's so soft and just floppy and squishy and fragile and alive. Um, and it's wriggling and it's wet and it's it's terrified. Its eyes are bulging and the way its eyes are bulging make you think of its eyes popping if you squeezed it a little too hard. And it is a horrible experience um, for you and the puppy both. <laughs> but the puppy is still alive, still in your hands, squirming a little bit. <laughs> I, I do want to say, like, uh, I think this would actually be a good role for Endure the Darkness for me. All right, yes, all right. very nice. Oh, that's a good call. Um, so I took as the <laughs> strongman as my second power, uh, unflinching, which allows me to roll uh, using bones instead of breath. All right, all right. So, what would you pick from this list, though? Um, well, uh, there isn't a list on this one. Oh, which one? Um, on this one, you just. Tell oh, you what you with which gotcha. to withstand. Gotcha. And roll. Would it be like withstanding his own strength? That's what I'm kind of thinking. Like it, it it's it's because I've been playing Sandor as like he he has like un doing uh, your own danger. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the darkness you're trying to withstand is the is your own. Yeah. yeah. It's the, so. the core destructive nature within you. Oof, that's better than what I'm going to do next. <laughs> so I did get an eight. An eight, all right. That is a hit. That is a hit with a price. Evil <laughs> here for a moment. Amber, how mad do you want to make our chat right now? Well, he hit, so he's not going to crush the puppy. Okay. But it's going to come... <laughs> so he's not going to crush the puppy, but it's going to come at a price. Yeah, you said with a price, and chat is already concerned. <laughs> we need to stay off doesthedogdie.com. Mm-hmm. All right, Sandor. Um, you catch the puppy. It is alive, this very tiny, very fragile, living thing in your arms with bulging eyes, just full of fear. And you're holding it there. And 
all you can think of is all the people that you have hurt and the things you have destroyed and how you never wanted to do any of it, but it doesn't matter because of what you are. And just all of that fear, all that anxiety, your muscles are jumping just with the nervousness of it. Uh, and it's so easy. It's a twitch, a nervous twitch. And this is just a pile of blood and meat and bones in your hands. But you hold him. And you can hold him without harming him. And you can set him down. But the cost is going to be that you will not be able to act when the tree creature comes out of the woods and attacks Joan. Uh, it is already here separating from the darkness. Right behind her where she is standing facing you. It's behind her. All she's seeing is you. Her eyes flashing with moonlight. And the branches coming in. And you can save one. <laughs> you can save one. <laughs> you know, if you, if you move to intercept, you can. You're strong enough and you're fast enough. But that movement comes with a terrible cost. Oh. Look at her just sipping tea. So... <laughs> If the puppy dies, everyone, I did not kill the puppy. Kent killed the puppy. <laughs> you can't. He's still going to do this to him. He's her friend. It's fine. Welcome oh, to me, DMs after dark. Let, let me see if I can just. Oh, oh, yeah. Kent is a dog owner, by the way. That's Hercules. Hi, Hercules. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. He's asleep. It's past his bedtime. Amber Chat is so mad at you right now. <laughs> it's great. Oh. Who are you gonna choose, Kent? <laughs> Your best friend or this little innocent dog? Well, at uh, at either or, I know Joan. Like she still has this puppy. I don't know where she got it. She like she's been in this forest for God knows how long. Like she still has ha, has this puppy. I haven't eaten in five days. Um, two hours. <laughs> That's probably been longer than two hours. <laughs> oh damn. I think I'm going to have to, like, not kill this puppy. But on a a other aspect, I also think that, um, so the other part of the strongman, where I'm up front with the the strength and whatnot, the other part of the strongman is like like a, uh, a rage that usually comes with the strength. And that is the one thing that Sandor is really scared of is that rage coming uh, through. Uh, He's probably not going to be, he's probably going to be lashing out with violence after the fact. All right. Sandor, you are frozen holding this small, fragile living creature in your hands. And you catch Joan's eyes, her wide, beautiful, wild eyes. A second before, these just this 
mass of jagged branches and sticks and thorns thrusts out of the darkness at her body. Joan, this is powered by the apocalypse, so I do not roll. Do something, and we will see what happens to you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, do something first. I don't see. I don't see or notice this thing, though, right? Uh, you, you, the, the, the attack is coming down on you. So you have a split second, uh, just animal reaction here. Gotcha. So I am going to do beast within to transform into a werewolf. I'm just going to keep going with the hunger. All right. Here we go. You, something that, that keen, sharp sense of yours, it senses the movement. You can't even tell if it, it was the smell or the sound or movement of shadow, but you know that it's behind you. The hair on the back of your neck raises and you embrace the beast within. Go ahead and roll. All right, plus two for bones. I got a ten. Hell yes, Joan. <laughs> you get to choose two. Oh gosh. Okay, uh, I'm gonna do gain an extra plus one bones until you change back and do extra harm. All right. Yeah, those two. Uh, it was a 10 plus, so I am going to let you dodge out of the way of that attack. Had it been a 7 to 9 or less, you would be getting absolutely wrecked right now. <laughs> but that that movement, the hair in the back of your neck raises, and then before you know it, it is fur on the back of your neck raising. And you you come undone below before Sandor's eyes. He's probably seen it before but the small child on levi's shoulder that is just entering the clearing has not seen it before (laughs) and it is swift and gruesome and brutal and it is wet and you tear and you rip and your bones break but even as your body is coming apart you are stepping to the side you are spinning on your heel your paw your claws are digging into the earth to give you purchase as you spin to face this creature and the branches uh they whip by you Sting on your skin a little bit, but you are more or less unharmed as you whirl to face this tree boy thing before you that smells like wood and sap and greenery and meat at the same time to your keen senses. I want this kind of like low growl that gets louder as she turns her attention to this this tree. And uh, that the all of the thinking people parts of you are somewhere very far away in the back of your mind. And what you know is that this is a threat to you and the pack that is behind you. Um, there is not really initiative in this game so much. So we just kind of go in a narrative structure of what we feel here. Um, Sandor, I'm going to have you go after uh, Levi and um, Eli because of that, that freeze that you had chosen because of your choice here. So uh levi you and uh eli have just kind of stepped into the clearing following the massive trail of destruction that sandor has left uh and you see this thing (laughs) this this tree creature and from where you're standing at the angle that you're at right now with how quick things are moving it looks like a living twisted broken like sickly tree with just sharp branches and lots of cruel and horrible angles and it it snaps and whips and the sounds it makes are all crunching cracking splitting sounds but it's moving quite quickly squatting at joan who is in her full werewolf glory and sandor who's just standing a few strides away holding this terrified squirming puppy 
staring into its eyes. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, what do you do? Does Eli see this? Uh, yep. Eli oh, has gone geez. completely still on your shoulder, uh, frozen much like the puppy, um, but you can feel his tiny little grip where he's got some of your shirt bunched up and a little bit of the kind of your thin, wiry muscle at the your neck trap, trap, whatever that fucking mm-hmm. muscle is there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pinched painfully in his small, vice-like child grip here. Um, he's definitely afraid. Okay. Um, how's Joan Wolf look like she's doing against this thing? Or it's just a standoff at this point? Uh, it looks like it's about to be a no-holds-barred smackdown here. She, okay. she's That's a big stick, and she is a big dog. <laughs> I'm going to take Eli. And I'm just going to be like, child, I have to sit you down now. But know that I will allow no harm to come to you. Can you stay very still back here? Uh, He's barely moving at all. Uh, His muscles are kind of locked up. His eyes are huge and wide. You can see the white all the way around his iris. And he's taking short, quick, sharp breaths. Um, He's he's, he's panicking. This child is in a state of panic right now. Um, and he doesn't really nod or respond to you. You're not sure that he hears or understands you. Well, I'm just going to set him down. Not much I can do about that. And then I'm going to turn to put myself between him and this thing. Uh, and I'm not going to make an attack yet. But what I am going to do is I'm going to indulge my own inner monster. Uh, so I'll mark darkness. I, I don't have a thing to mark darkness. But Eli. Darkness uh, uh, has Levi. been marked, audience. <laughs> marked, boom, okay. Uh, I'm indulging my inner monster. Hold one to choose one uh, that disappears at the end of the session. I am going to become invincible, meaning I will ignore all harm from this source being plant boy. All right. Uh, which I will take to see that if he gets his ass kicked, he'll bleed and whatever, but it's just like his show. It's not going to hurt him. You have a limitless ability to take abuse and pain and suffering upon yourself and you embrace that that broken part of you now nothing's getting past me to this kid all right all right and we will go to sandor right um i will uh Oh, did you roll for Embrace the Darkness? Roll. That is a roll one. That is a roll. Uh, is it a... No, I don't think uh, it is. Indulge. Okay, indulge. you mean indulge. Yeah. Got you, sorry. Indulge. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. No, I indulge my inner monster is what indulge. I wanted to do. Gotcha. I'm sorry. We're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Sandor. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, deal with this puppy somehow. Give it to the kid. You can you can drop the puppy or set the puppy. Little now. things right. to hang out together in shock. Um, just chest pass it to the small child. The puppy hits it like a meat bullet, and the child also explodes. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> we have a dead child and a dead puppy. <laughs> meat bullet, Amber. That's now writer. a thing. <laughs> That's now the thing. I love when Amber jams games. <laughs> um, <laughs> you don't know which was dog and which was child. It's just an explosion of meat. <laughs> I, I will I will put the puppy down. Uh, hopefully it uh, scampers off in, or if if not, just like stays kind of where it is. Like I'm gonna 
put it down behind me because the path in front of me is not going to be pretty. It trips over its own feet a couple times in its haste to just get under something. And the thing it gets under is a a bush, just a little, the nearest patch of just plant matter. It's dug in under there. Okay. Um, And uh, as with... uh, see what plays can i do right now we got a wolfed out joan and a tree person thing kind of reminds me of the thing from fallout if anyone's played that Mm -hmm. I guess it. I am just going to. Uh, lash out with unsettling violence. All right. You, that rage that is always bubbling just below your skin in the pit of your stomach uh, that you held back with the barest thread of your consciousness and humanity to avoid uh, just rending this puppy to bits. You let it rip. Okay, that is a that is a twelve. Oops, that's supposed to be to everyone. A twelve, hot damn, <laughs> hot damn! All right, Sandor, you charge forward and tell me how you lay into this thing. Well, uh, as as uh, as Joan is kind of wolfed out, I'm not too concerned with hurting her because she's one of the in this form one of the only things that can uh, kind of stand uh, stand up to my might. Um, I'm gonna probably just like come straight over her with a uh, and try to knock this thing to oblivion. All right. And you do. Sandor, you that your curse, the thing that has isolated you from so many people in this moment, it serves you well. Um, and you just huge fist, all the muscles in your arm corded, and you just swing at it. This is not a practice strike. It is not a strike that has taken training or anything like that. This is just you moving your fucking arms mm-hmm. and you you hit it like like a hammer like a sledgehammer wood just splinters around you it's almost like your flesh is hitting it and it your arm is just turned to steel in that moment you feel the force reverberate through your bones up into your shoulder and it means nothing to you but the wood itself cracks splinters tears at your flesh can't feel a thing it's just it's all just pressure it's it's just pressure um, and the trunk of this tree, it's almost like it's getting kicked out from beneath it. It bends at like a 45 degree angle. Wood splinters, hot wetness coats your skin and your arm. And at some point, the wood, it becomes soft and then hard again and then soft and then hard again. Um, and you just 
crack this thing. It sways for a minute. The the roots and feelers and creepers that it was sort of moving with, um, they they lose their purchase and it the whole thing just topples sideways. And that horrible just wood in like just wind in like wood knot holes and in branches wail just picks up and it almost sounds like a storm but there's no wind everything is so still you can only hear the wind and the wind the wind screams uh it cries out in just hot animal pain you've broken something living again you've done it again and there is blood on your chest and on your arm blood and sap blood and things thicker than sap even you're sticky and hot and this thing on the ground is writhing the branches are flipping roots are shuddering and creeping and it's crying it's screaming but it's not getting back up uh joan (laughs) so so with my role uh i do get to choose one with uh, lashing out with the unsettling violence uh, one of the options is mark a darkness at the blood stains your hands. I am 100% taking that. Nice. Nice. And as, as that fact gets becomes more and more obvious to you that what is on you from this thing that looks almost completely like a tree is in fact blood. And now the things that are standing out to you are all of the human parts. You see that part of, of a face, not, not a man's face even. It's a boy's face. Uh, a child's face and the eye, the unblinking eye that is just stretched into the bark forever. It's wide and it's rolling around um, and it's afraid. And you can see in the trunk where you've split it, you can see that the fibrous wet living core wood and bits of bone and softer things that have spilled out from within it. Um, And it's twitching and scrabbling at the ground and just screaming. I think... Sorry, go ahead. You've done it again. I think Joan is going to try and run on top of it and then, like, bite and tear into it and try and eat it. I think Joan would do that, too. (laughs) Um, And you have this moment where you're just looking at this wounded creature just kicking at the earth. And then there's that flash of just fur in the moonlight. And Joan is on it. She, no hesitation, no moment of... Dread, no, what have I done? Just single-minded animal ferocity and hunger. Um, and the wood is splintering between your teeth. The hot blood is bathing your tongue. And this is the weirdest meal that you've ever had, but you're pulling off pieces of this thing while it still screams, while it still kicks, and you're swallowing them down into that deep, deep, dark hole in you that always needs more. <laughs> Levi, what are you doing? <laughs> Um, did I see the humanity in the tree thing when Sandor whacked it? When it started screaming, it was all you could see. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, and now Joan is just ripping this thing to pieces. Um, so. Yep. She's like, waste them out, Lana. I'm eating it. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, little, little pulpy, but okay. Um, (laughs) she's, um, Levi is going to push Joan... Uh, hold on, let me see what moves I have. Hold on a minute. Let me look at some moves. Hmm. 
I want to kind of calm Joan. I want to calm Joan down and get her off this tree child. Uh, because I, I was Levi around. I'm trying to remember because it's hard to separate. Like I, I've been, I've been focusing on playing Fenemy, who knows a lot, and Levi wasn't around for some of those conversations. I don't know. He know he doesn't have as much of an inkling as what's going on with the kids, right? I mean, oh. I don't think so. I think the thing that Levi mostly knows is uh, he ha- he's had um kind of an intimate moment with Mary, an intimate moment of understanding with Mary in particular. But I don't think he's had much um yeah much uh, not much to do else. with the kids. Yeah, and what's yeah. going on there? Right. Although he was back at camp for most of last session, so he could have been filled in on like hey, I, I think it was I think like it was filled stuff. in really really quickly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know he knows kids are missing. That doesn't yeah. mean. Because even yeah. Yeva got filled in when she was away for a bit. Mm-hmm. So Levi yep, would have yep. probably been filled in with her. Mm-hmm. What would be the cho- calm Joan down? Strike a deal? Offer comfort. Offer comfort? Those are the two I'm looking at. What, what do you think, Amber? I think offer comfort. It's offer comfort, yeah. Strike a right. deal how is can, more for how with can, them. How can I get you to stop is basically what I'm trying to do. Uh, so... Offer comfort, roll plus grace. What is probably do not have a lot of grace. Oh, good. That's something I'm not good at, too. All right. <laughs> well, Levi has two re rolls, uh, and we've basically been threatened with more by chat. <laughs> like, don't let the dog die. Roll until it doesn't die. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, Amber, wait till you see the screenshot that I sent to the Facebook yeah, group. Yeah, you, you, you've got some fans. You. You've got some fans. Okay. <laughs> This is the act I get to follow. All right. That always is the way. Didn't I didn't I do mothership after you two? Yeah, I did. Did you yeah. after Bluebeard? I'm pretty but sure it was no, after Bluebeard. I think I think mothership was before no, Bluebeard. Yeah, you before did it Bluebeard. before before Bluebeard. Oh, okay. Well that was good. I didn't have to. That was, yeah, Trainee <laughs> had to follow that act. That was a really tough act to follow. Yeah. If you're terrified by this, go watch our Bluebeard's Bride. Yeah, if you want to feel more uncomfortable. Right. You're very uncomfortable. All right, I am going to uh, try to <laughs> try to offer comfort to Joan with my minus one. Hell yeah, ten. Nice. Yeah. All right, not bad. A strong hit. So, you avoid so getting mauled by Joan. How do you He's comfort like, me? He just kind of like slowly is like, hey, Joan. Hey, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Joan. You're probably asking how can I get you to... Yeah, how can right. I get so, you to stop? Right. So Jess, you can tell like on a meta level, like what is effective to Joan in these moments. Something that Sandor knows, but maybe you have not shared with anybody else or nobody else has discovered. Um, so usually like being held or hugged by like a, a close friend or someone in the pack would help with Joan. Just like like a like just like a cuddle buddy, right? Like being in a pack. But Levi happens to be the person I hunt, crave, and want to taste more than anything in the world. <laughs> So I mean, he also chose to be invincible. So I am invincible. All of those so, things can be accomplished. A very, very bony only to angel. the tree person. Ah. So I'm fine with this. How about this? I'm gonna Levi goes to kind of put a hand on Joan and like on her shoulder and kind of be like, "Hey, big guy, calm down." And you just try and just bite him. But and remember, Levi's no stranger to pain. He's okay with that. With his relationship with Yeva, yeah, so he absolutely can handle Joan. You you bite him, your teeth sink, just sink right into his forearm, and he just kind of pulls you close into that hug. Actually, 
while you're just like chewing on him and blood is like running yeah. into your mouth and he's just like stroking you and very quietly just like it's okay it's okay and just like calming you down while you rip his arm apart I mean, I might not rip it apart, but I might bite into his arm and then just like, huh, interesting. Chew, He's chew, okay. chew. And yeah. you guys bones splinter around your canines. You feel mm. your canines punch through into the soft marrow, and then you feel the the two bones there compress, and you feel them splinter under your teeth. Your arm is crushed in her jaws. Um, that fact does not really come around you until your jaws are closed, and it's much too late, but slowly... Um, at first, Levi's just making noise. And lots of living things make noise when you tear into them. This is nothing new to you. But he's not pulling against your grip. You're ready for him to pull. The muscles in your neck are primed, bunching. But he doesn't pull. And he doesn't scream. You're ready for that loud burst of sound that usually accompanies you sinking your teeth into something. But the scream doesn't come. His voice is smooth, low. So much quieter than your own breathing and the growls in the back of your throat and even the sound of your claws just digging for purchase in the soil. Um, but as he just keeps repeating that rhythmic noise, rhythmic noise, it starts to gain meaning. It starts to become sound, syllables, words. And the tension in your body eases a little at a time as it becomes more recognizable, less strange, more familiar. Until you understand what he's saying. Um, and you hear his comforting words. And your jaws are still basically locked. But you feel the shifting of your teeth as parts of you want to become human again. That human part of you has a hold. It can take over now if you wish. If you just let it go. If you just let the anger go. But that is entirely up to you. But you have that thinking part of you is forward now. You know what he's saying and you know that he is Yeah, I mean in I a think, way your friend. I think I will. I mean Joan would be afraid that she just hurt Levi. Uh I mean she bit him. That's that's one of her her friends. It's part of her family. She'll she'll turn back. And sometimes it's peaceful when you let the wolf go and the anger go. And sometimes it's painful. And this is one of those times when it hurts. It feels like letting go of something you don't want to, like being forced to let go of something, like losing a piece of yourself. It's amazing how when you become the wolf, you lose the man. And when you become a man, you lose the wolf. And you're just always losing things. But your body shivers. The wet fur kind of shrinks back into your skin. Your bones twist and contort. Muscles and sinew snap, slither, writhe. And before you know it, you are little Joan again. Uh, your, your hair is damp. Your body is slick with sweat and blood and urine. And dirt and worse things and you're in Levi's just thin arms stuck against his uncomfortably hard angular body he's so he's so thin he's all bones and you have like a horrible pain in your jaw you can tell that it's your jaw that broke 
with all of this biting. Your broken jaw is still locked on Levi's broken arm. And there's that red hot knot of pain in your face and in your chest and in your stomach. And Sandor is standing there covered in blood and you are covered in the same blood. And it's all coming back to you. I'm just going to look at Sandor. Just almost just like sad pleading. And just look at him. I can't, I don't, with a, I, can you talk with a broken jaw? I don't think so. It, uh, it you can. can. You're, you're very, you're very tough. Uh, gotcha. Pain and injury mean little to you. Your words don't come out super crisp, clear, and enunciated, but you can still communicate, yes. I'm going to climb out of Levi's hold then. Levi just kind of lets her go and just takes his arm in, but doesn't say anything or react. I'm going to just feel around him and see if I've broken anything else. Just the arm. Uh, Levi senses you feeling around and, and, and picks up on that probably as worry. Uh, I don't know if that is or not, or if it's Joan really being like, that tasted good. I want to go back. No, it's, too. it's worry. Yeah. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's got, she's got, uh, regret in her eyes, like a sure. lot of worry and regret. He looks you in the eye and he has this like skeletal gaunt, like Amber said, one molecule of cancer away from death face. And, uh, he says, were not for me to be broken and put back together has been what I'm here for. Not by me, though. No, by the world, he says, and he just kind of stands. And he goes over to look at the tree thing. Uh, the tree thing has finally stopped writhing and moving. Um, it's just the slightest bits are still moving. The bits of that at what first looked like were just exposed, like core wood underneath the bark, but now you can tell our, our skin. Um, just those little soft bits are just rising and falling kind of irregularly. There'll be a quick double rise, and then it's, it'll be still for a while. All right. A um, rise. Levi will kneel down next to it, and I'm going to see if I can, like, is it, does it, like, is it conscious? Does it see me? Is it just, or is it just finally like death rattle? Like all the way gone. Uh, the pupil, um, which is still very, very, which is very, very human, even though most of the eye is stretched and unblinking in in really inhuman ways. Um, it looks like a it's a it's a brown boy's eye, like it's just a brown iris. Um, there's still a little bit of childishness in it, like a there's a there's a fear that doesn't fully comprehend what's happening there, um, and it does twitch toward you and and it looks at you um but you can tell already like it's kind of glassing over a little bit it's it's dying okay i will uh uh levi takes its hand because he recognizes humanity uh in it and just with his good hand holds it 
and he kneels down very, very close to it. And um, he doesn't make the uh, the connection with the church and that because he does, hasn't been all like involved with the fact that the pastor probably sent this poor kid out here. Uh, so he's going to pray with the kid. But just offer comfort in its mm-hmm. final hour. So I'll roll if you want me to offer comfort, uh, but I'm just going to comfort it while it's dying uh, and pray with it. No need, no need to roll. Okay. You kind of clutch those two human fingers and a bit of the the twig that's sort of branching out of it, and you hold it, and you can feel the two fingers kind of curl around your hand a little bit as you pray, and the eye stays fixed on you; it never looks away. As the little uh, flashing areas of rising skin, almost as if it's struggling to breathe, even though it clearly doesn't have any lungs, you can't hear it drawing breath from mm-hmm. anywhere. Uh, slow slow until it stops moving completely and the little curl of the fingers around your hand goes light and that like levi did not react with to getting his arm almost ripped off but he just single tear runs out of his human face uh and he just closes the eye and he stands that tree creature is still I'm going to look for Toto. Um, Toto is still dug in under that bush. <laughs> still quite frightened. <laughs> I'm going to like coax him out and lift him up and just turn to the others and just be like, we need to get out of here with my broken bell voice. Eli? Eli is gone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it as soon as you put the child down. God I was like, it. I was like, oh man. <laughs> as <laughs> all small children are, you set him down and looked away, and now he is gone. There's a reason I never dropped the dog. <laughs> I, well, I dropped him once, yeah. but I came back and picked him up. <laughs> but yeah, we got it. We got to get out of here. We need to leave now. I told him to stay. Why do children never listen? It's too late now. We just gotta go. (laughs) He'll find his way back. He lives here like, we just gotta go. Sandor, take Joan back. I'll find Eli. Oh, no, no, no one should stay here alone. Yeah, what so, would Troy do? Troy would stay and look for the kid. Christian would be like, adios, motherfucker. <laughs> I was going to eat the kid, so like... <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> Sorry, I put I put WWTD, what would Troy do in chat, and the immediate response from Ryan stuff. So anyway, I started blasting. <laughs> I pull out oh my glass. He pulls wow. out a surprise glass. Wow. <laughs> Actually, yes. Wow. That is, you can tell Rain stuff has been here for a year. (laughs) Yes, you really can. He knows us. He's been here for the whole full ride. The full ride. He (laughs) knows us so well. Uh, No, I. Go home, Joan. I will find him. We're not going to leave you here alone. It looks like you've been through enough. I can take more. He can take more. 
The dog can't take more, but that's okay. <laughs> the others might need you, though. What? What's going on? What's going on at home? This, he gestures down to the the child, is not this, well, this, this, natural. These trees are dangerous. <laughs> These trees are dangerous. These trees are not your friends. <laughs> These trees are not of my father. But the child is? Yes. And, this, I feel so cheesy saying this, the shepherd will go looking for the sheep that leaves the flock. I'm trying, Troy, I really am, when you listen to this. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, of all of the of cast of DMs After Dark, you have the most experience with Bible quoting characters. So I always true. wind up having to quote the Bible. I don't know why. <laughs> something, something, something. That's the most Christian thing I've ever heard out of you. Something, something, yep, something. Yep. <laughs> no, that's the most Catholic thing Catholic I've ever heard out of you. Catholic, yeah. yep, yep. Once it's in you. <laughs> Doesn't come out. Well, I'm not leaving you. I appreciate that. That's great. I'm not leaving you. We should move then. And then he just starts to call out for Levi. Eli. Eli. He's Levi. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Couldn't uh, have gone far. Hard. He was tiny and scared. You're also in the area. What are you doing? So uh, as things are like playing out besides him, beside him, um, he's actually just frozen looking at this uh what he now recognizes as a uh what was a child <clears throat> and just realizing the fact that he's kind of uh he's he's he did it again um he ended a life that should have kept uh continued uh so like any any call to his name um is kind of being drowned out. He's just zoned in on the body of this now tree child. Uh, As you start to call for Eli, you notice uh, Sandor is not reacting to the sound or the situation at all as he stares at this uh, this monstrous body. Sandor. It's time to go, buddy. There's nothing we can do here. Just gonna put a hand on your on your arm. And and with that, he kind of uh, jolts uh, back and kind of moves away from uh, away from uh, your touch and just snaps back into into focus um and yeah. like he'll he'll reiterate to himself because he didn't hear uh hear it it's like we should probably leave and yeah not yeah. knowing that eli is gone soon soon Looks like we gotta do one more thing. 
I'm going to leave you here about to embark on the search for Eli and bounce back to the crew at the carnival. Uh, crew at the carnival. Yeva, you were going to talk to Emma. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as you approach your caravan, um, you see like the curtain kind of sway a little bit on the side there. She was, she was watching. <laughs> um, for sure, the going is on there. Um, and uh, she doesn't like super jump to like pretend like she was doing something else. She, you know, she sp- is standing by the window. She's not trying to hide it when you kind of yeah. open up. Um, and she just looks at you. She, her face is pinched with worry. And she just says, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm so sorry. The sheriff, he has a terrible temper. All men can be dealt with. They are but men. <laughs> they are but men. <laughs> I love it. Are, are they coming back? <clears throat> they probably will. But we will be prepared. And hopefully the rest of our group should return back soon. I don't know quite where they are. Or if we should go looking for them. Everybody just goes into the woods and dies. (laughs) That's one way to end the story. We all become tree friends. Is there anything I can do to help? No. I want to make sure that you are safe. Can help uh, maybe with packing or anything? Are there are there any um any of the roustabouts that Yeva knows in particular or like that she knows well that are like that she trusts more than others, I guess, is what I'm thinking? Yeah, there's a there's a there's a Jennifer around here who's always been Pretty solid gal. Okay. Yeah. Let me, um, let me go find Jennifer. She is always around. Um, let me grab her and you can help her with stuff she's got going on. Okay. Thank you. I, it'd be good to, to do something. Okay. Good. And she'll go look for her and (laughs) bring them up together. Jennifer has a series of tasks that would not be dangerous to a woman in her condition that she can help with. <laughs> yeah, Yeva understands the need to, like, I need to do something right now or I'm gonna die. And also, this woman is very pregnant. Very pregnant. Very pregnant um, and stress plus pregnant. And your uh, your conversation inside was very brief. It only took a minute or two to have. Um, But when you step back outside, the carnival is a bustle of activity. People are... Uh, unstaking tent flaps and stuff. They're starting to roll up materials. They're putting things in boxes. They're shouting questions and answers back and forth across the camp at each other. Uh, they're getting ready to move. Uh, Wayland is running around helping with whichever task, offering direction, answering questions, back and forth, back and forth. A little bit frantic with the need there, and he keeps glancing toward the shelter belt in the direction that Sandor and Levi ran off in kind of nervously. Yeah. Uh, there is but a sliver of daylight left. The sky is that dark, dark gray, where you can only tell there's still light by the mere contrast between the the horizon line and the sky. Um, and it starts to snow. You can see your your breath leaves a little puff of a little puff of steam in the air. The temperature is dropped in the first kind of thick pale flakes of snow just filter down from the sky and start landing on the cold, 
hard winter killed ground. Almost Christmas. Uh, so she will look for um. She'll she'll go to Wayland first and just have you gotten sign of any of them? He looks back and he says nothing yet. Heard Joan a few more times, but it's been quiet for a bit now. And he looks again toward the horizon. He looks nervous and kind of torn. You can imagine he's worried about the safety of all the people here. He's worried about the people he's lost in the woods. Um, he's just so he's just worried. It's like we might we might have to leave a couple folks behind for for when Sandor and Levi and Joan get back. I. I don't want to be caught here after dark when they come back with most of these folks. Mahela and I will stay. We'll wait. He um he looks over and he he, he reaches into his pocket and kind of pulls out a set of keys and he he gives you the keys to one of the trucks and he tells you tanks, gas is full. There's some water, blankets, food in there. Um, some first aid supplies, he says, kind of giving you like a meaningful look, knowing what happens when Joan and Sandor disappear sometimes here. Yes. So. And you hear from behind you, you're not staying alone, you bitch. As Fenemy finally has recovered from her uh, thing earlier. She had to go lay down a bit, and then she came out. I wasn't staying alone. I have Mahela. But I'll nope. take your aid. Now you have me too. I know, I do. And a little tiny smidgen of the worry that is plaguing Wayland's face eases a little bit, seeing that you two will be here together. Possibly the best two people he could leave with this task. <laughs> Which is hilarious <laughs> in the moment. But All right. Um, and as uh, you watch, the, the circus is swiftly broken down it was already being kind of, they, they've been talking about leaving since this morning so some things were already underway there but um they're gonna have this boxed up and basically on the road within the hour here everybody is hauling but um not so much with the organizing and keeping things tidy they're just strapping shit on top of shit in the yep. creative ways that only carnival folk can come up with it's gonna stay it'll hold like yep. <laughs> uh massive te- tetris skills but um, you and Fenemy are just sort of hanging out there on the grounds watching your lives for a long time or short um, get broken down and packed up. And all of these people that you care about in various degrees um, or at least tolerate as uh, getting stuffed into vehicles and wagons and carriages. And then people are getting stuffed into vehicles and wagons and carriages. And um. When everything's just about packed up and broken down, Emma uh, approaches both of you, kind of cradling her stomach. Um, she's bundled up in all kinds of borrowed winter gear and whatnot. Um, and she she says, "I heard that you're uh, you're staying to wait for the others." Yes. She nods. Um, she looks like kind of nervous about that. There's that there's that apprehension on her face. You can tell she's worried. She's never going to see you again if she says goodbye. Um, but she, she knows that it needs to be done. She kind of takes a, a big steadying breath and then she, she reaches out to hug you. She hugs her. And First Yeva and then. Yeah. Pats her Absolutely. The back. And then she turns to Fenemy and hugs Fenemy. 
Um, uh, can Fenemy know like what she's having? Did, did she know the last time she read? She's a girl. She whispers in her ear. Take care of your daughter. She'll have your eyes. She kind of uh, looks back and um, she's starting to get used to your predictions and your visions. The, the kind of like confusion or apprehension that at first was there all the time. Um, there's just a little moment of light on her face. Um, and she nods and she says, I can't wait for you to meet her. Neither can I, she says. And just she gives, gives your her hand a little squeeze. Yeah, same back. And then um, she turns and she, she heads off to one of the vehicles. Uh, and the show gets on the road. Um, that one little road that leads in and out of silence. You are heading back out in the same direction that you came in, not driving through the main town drag, just turning this bitch right around. Um, and Wayland is one of, is on the last vehicle out of there, making sure all of his people are in the vehicles ahead of him. And the vehicles kind of head off into that vast, vast open nothingness of the Great Plains until they're swallowed by the night. And Fenemy and Yeva and Mahela, you are hanging out here in the snow that's finally starting to collect on the ground um, in a pale dusting of the Great Plains, looking at this little town and all of the little lights kind of brightening the windows uh, as evening falls. And then one by one, the lights start going out. Um, and Fenemy. You know yes. someone's coming before you can before you even see the approach. You have a feeling all of a sudden as you're watching the lights come out that someone is coming. One of them is coming. They always do it in the dark when they're afraid. Joy. Hope your you girl's hungry. About three or four minutes, and uh, your sense of it becomes a little clearer. Um, there is danger, but you're not in danger. The person coming is not a threat, but they are in trouble. Another minute or two later, it's someone you're familiar with. And then, right before the figure kind of crests a hill out of breath, you know that it is the girl from the tent. Okay. Oh. Ruth's sister. Little yep. friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear uh, kind of panting breath. Uh, this girl's been running. She's all out of breath as she kind of like hoofs her way up um, a hill onto the clearing where you are all standing. She looks around and sees that all the vehicles are gone, and she sees you two standing there. Fenemy, she looks right at you, and she says, I need your help. Ricky's Runs gone right. into the woods. Who? What? Who? Ricky and um, and James, they, they went into the woods, and the adults are looking for them, and I... They need help. Okay. You need to tell me everything. I know that children disappear in the woods. I know that something terrible happens this time of year. What is it, child? It's Christmas Eve, and they put the kids to bed, and they meet at the church. And I don't know what they do there, but they go out into the woods after. And on Christmas morning, someone's missing. Ooh, just like 
the eyes at at Yeva. Like, we're going to fucking kill some people in this town. Okay. And they say that they went to jail or or St. Mary's School for Wayward Girls, but they're lying. And Eli's missing, and James was worried, and Ricky just, he doesn't want anything to happen to anyone else, like what happened to Ruth, and they went into the woods. The woods are not normal, are they? She shakes her head. I don't know what's in there. Well. Fortunately for you, neither are we. We have to go, Yeva, dear. I know. I want to come. If... Amber. If that's where Ruthie went, I have to... I have to find her. I can't let Ricky find her first. And she makes like a face. (laughs) (laughs) How old is this kid? She's about 12. 12. She's my sister. If she's there, I'll know. Just takes her hand. Stay close. She holds her hand firmly, unafraid. Mm -hmm. Okay. And into the woods. And in the woods. Ava puts her keys in one of her many hidden pockets. Should we take the truck like right to the edge of the woods? Or are we already kind of there? No, you're a little ways away. If things are really bad, it would probably be a benefit to not have to run. We have like you know minutes across open ground. The old yeah. Millennium Falcon waiting for us for a man, yep. you know no, getaway. We have right supplies there. in the yeah, truck. Yeah, exactly. so mm-hmm. um, Yeva will hold up the keys. Hop in. We'll drive to the edge. That way, when we get everyone back, we can all get in and drive. Okay. Mm-hmm. She looks a little girl like she needs confirmation from her too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Yeva hops behind the wheel. Tear out of there. This girl can drive. You gun it toward the shelter belt. Uh, Stop, I assume, kind of outside of town a little bit by the shelter belt. Yeah. And disembark and head into the Mm -hmm. forest. Yep. You have that same, this is new to you. Um, starting to get real old for everybody else, but that feeling of disorientation where suddenly there's that pressure in your ears, the smells have changed, the humidity has changed, everything has changed, the trees are too tall, too dark, the phenomy, you are overwhelmed by the sense that this forest is old, 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 old. This forest is hundreds of years old. This forest is almost old like you. (laughs) And, um, you are definitely somewhere else at first it's so quiet in there there's no wind or anything rustling anything your ears almost hurt straining for just any kind of sound and then you hear it jones sandor levi you hear this too um in your search for eli as you're picking through the woods it is a scream it is a woman's scream but it is deep and it is guttural and it is torn Mm. out of the pit of her Mm. stomach lower than her stomach, almost in her womb, and it is a sound of complete anguish, absolute pain. 
despair and just rage. And it is a whale. And it, it rolls through those woods. It covers every square inch of it. And the woods move in response. You can feel it. Almost a vibration in the trees, in the brush, in the ground itself. Like everything is taking a deep breath and waking up and becoming alert. And it's hungry and it's thirsty and it's angry and it is pissed. And that is what you find yourselves wandering through as you begin or continue your search. Mary found her son. Yep. But you know the thing is, I don't think Mary would hurt the other kids. No. I don't know that. Yeah, she'll hurt the townsfolk when they're in there, but I don't think she's going to hurt the kids. No, I think you Mary's don't know what this You don't know I'm saying Mary that as Christian. Capable. I'm not okay. saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I said yeah. Mary found her son as, as Joan. Okay, oh, as Joan. Oh, I didn't know that was in character. Oh, Mary? We're not. Oh, oh Mary. She came to see me. Uh, Mary saw Levi, yes. Yeah. Ma Mary lives here. She came to see me in the show. That, uh, I think that, I think that tree boy thing was her son. We should find her. No. Yes. We need to get out of here. We need to leave. We need to fix this. Did you this. hear that? Did you feel that? What? There's nothing to fix. We need to leave. No. We need to pack up our stuff. We need to pack up the circus, pack up the tent, tell everyone that it's time to go and leave. I'm sorry. That was funny, Jess. Um, Packed up the tent, pack up the circus, roll <laughs> on all out. the dogs. Leave. Yeah, the dogs. There, there is. Yeah, how are you gonna fight all of these trees? We don't know how many of them are people. It's I time to go. The trees are people. There's a, there was a reason why Joan was uh, calling that one Charlie. Right, right, right. Joan. It's so much worse now thinking of how you named the trees. Yep, yep, huh? <laughs> oh God, that's right. We cannot that's let it. this abomination stand. What what are you going to do? Eli lives here. I'm sure he knows his way out. Mary found her way out and came back in here. We are not from here. We need to leave. You can leave if you wish. I'm staying. I'm going to go find it. And I'm going to start walking to, is it like where you can hear where the scream is coming from? Or is it just echoing through the woods? Like everything? It's kind of a coming from everywhere sound. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. You both wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. You're here because you came searching for me. But what I found was so much worse. And it needs to be fixed. It's dead! We killed it! Just as you say that, Joan, you feel a rumble in the ground. Uh, this one's different than that kind of tremor, that, that thin vibration that came with the scream. This one is a feeling of deep, deep movement somewhere within the earth. Um, and you can tell the direction it's coming in. And then you hear just a loud kind of groaning creak and crack. And you hear the rustling of branches. And as you turn toward the sound, you can see 
through uh, just a little bit of parting kind of in the branches, uh, the sloping upward toward those mountains that you had spied when you climbed, um, maybe half a mile from here, there's a massive tree, just like a giant, giant evergreen tree. And the tip of it is swaying, just one of it. And then it shifts and it kind of moves up a little higher and then lunges a little bit to the left. Like it's rocking itself out of some kind of hold or encasement. Like it's waking up. It's time to go. (laughs) 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 Um, Fenemy and Yeva and the girl, (laughs) Uh, you see this too from where you are in the forest. Perhaps a little bit farther for you, maybe closer to a mile, three quarters of a mile. You see kind of up on that slope from a parting in the canopy, a absolutely enormous tree that's towering above all the others in your field of view, rocking itself. Just look at Yeva. I, I, I don't even know where to start, what to look for. I I don't deal with kids, Fenemy. <laughs> kids don't talk to me. Everyone talks to me. It's just kind of my thing. Um, go see what's causing it. I, I guess. Could be Sandor. <laughs> Yeah, Sander no. could be waving around no. a giant tree. Uh, that and it was just itching his back like a bear. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's not Sandor. When Yeva says it's not Sandor, Fenemy, you know in your heart of hearts that that is correct. <laughs> I know. She's reaching. Yeah, um, we wanted to be Sandor. <laughs> what? The girl just, is staring at this tree, eyes wide, um, in awe. It's a little bit of fear. It's a little bit of wonder. Um, it's adrenaline, and she's just staring at it through the gap in the canopy. How far away is it? Maybe three quarters of a mile to a mile. Oh, that's have, far away. Okay. Have you seen it's a this? bit of a hike, but it's have, doable. Yeah. Have you seen this before, little one? No. no. Okay. What is it? No idea. Do you think Ricky and James are there? I don't think so. Ruth? What is it? I don't know. stop a minute. But I'm scared we're going to have to find out. Let's, um, Yeva. What? That's what just sometimes I find. And she just kind of backs up to a tree and sits down. I need to sit and think about things a little bit. And she reaches into her, one of her pockets. She pulls out some cards. Tarot cards. Nice. And I'm going to give myself a reading. I'm going to use the cards. All right, all right. Would you you like a card pull? Yes. 
<laughs> oh, man, I, I can't know. believe I'm getting to pull these out again on the stream. Here we go. I am not super well versed in tarot, so forgive me if I interpret things I very, will very wildly wrong. Do my best. <laughs> okay. I'm a little bit. I'm a little one bit. Card. Yeah. Just one. I will take many creative liberties with this card, as I'm sure all seasoned tarot readers will. Oh, that's know. true. I have no idea. Should we pull, should we pull, uh, pull so more than one? I can. I have a booklet that gives me basic meanings. Amber, if you want me to tell you that, or if you just want to go how well. Tell me what the card is. I have, yeah, I'll know when I know what the card is, what I need. (laughs) Okay. Do you cut about halfway down? Uh, Cool. The Emperor. Nice. All I can think of is John Gaius. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, okay, here, wait. Major Arcana, come on, Bliss. <laughs> so I, I can cover that one, but I have, um, so on a hit, you can ask three questions to the MC about the past, present, or future. They will answer honestly. On a seven and nine, the truth you see shakes you. You mark darkness. So a hit is over a seven, though, right? Um, a, a, a hit is still a seven, yep. Seven and nine is a hit, but it's a hit with consequence. So, so I got it. so that's perfect. I rolled an eight. Uh so I will I will mark darkness because the the uh something I see shakes me to my core, which makes sense what's going on in town. And I will tell you, Amber, uh that the Emperor card can uh represent um obviously patriarchal leaders, right? Uh particularly religious ones. Uh, which could be good for whatever the fuck is going on in town. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask three questions now. And I'm going to center them around the card. So uh, Fenemy sees the card and she sees um, there's a man. I think we know that. They're usually the source of all problems. There's a man. And <laughs> yeah, we're just he- like, came to town at some point and she's kind of like looking at the girl for verification and he people followed him what happened when he came to town the preacher the mayor mayor he he brought he had a lot of money and uh Things were real bad, and a lot of people were sick, and uh, he, he had medicine come in, and and food, and uh, even water. And um, a lot of people started getting better. He got real close with Father Joseph. They they became really good friends. And um, they, he was the mayor before you knew it. The other mayor disappeared, ran off. They said he was a, a drunk and a gambler. Hmm. But and people now people started listening to Mayor Grace and they really liked him. And now and now some people listen to him, but it's too late, isn't it? They're afraid of him, aren't they? Some people are afraid of him. I don't but really most like him. People listen to him and they believe that the things that they're doing are necessary for the town. But the future question I'm just going to ask you, Amber, um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to make any assumptions. Um, what is it they're trying to complete with this town? Because, Mary, I, I don't know this as Fenemy, but I overheard Joan, we only have a few more and we're complete. 
right? So at a meta level, Christian knows this. Uh, what is what is the future? What are they trying to do here? And I think that's what's going to fuck up Fenemy. That's where I'm marking darkness on it. If that's cool with you. All right. Yeah. Fenemy, you see two futures. Okay. You see to the east, the rising sun. And in this future, you see a man. He's blonde. He speaks with an accent. He's not from around here. Uh, he has a kind smile and kind eyes, and he always has the answers. Uh, people are hungry for those answers, hungrier for those answers than they are even for bread. And they've always listened to him, and he doesn't tell them what to do. He lets them choose. He lets them choose a person, a child, every year. He doesn't tell them who. But by purging darkness from silence, God smiles on the town. And as long as they keep doing holy work, God will keep smiling, keep oh, protecting fuckers. them. So every year, they choose. And you see a boy, 14 years old. He's thin, scrappy, his clothes are shoddy, he's not, not wealthy, not well off. Um, he's got a bruised face, he's got a black eye. There's bruises on his knuckles. He's had a tough life. One of his teeth are chipped. His hands are red. There's blood all over his hands. Blood is pouring from his hands. And you see long shadows of pointed figure fingers fall over him. And you hear a woman sobbing, crying, pleading, please no, please no. And then you see the boy's eye, the brown eye, soft brown eye. And you see it stretch and the bark grow over it and the face twist and distort and get swallowed. And you hear the snapping and creaking of branches. And then you just see blood. You feel blood. You feel the warmth of it splash across your face, your hands, your chest. You see a girl. Young girl. 14, 15. She smiles a lot. She laughs a lot. She has ribbons in her hair. You remember she has a soft, sweet kiss. She is full of hope and she's gentle. And her gentleness gentles even rough spirits, even angry spirits, even even boys with problems with their fathers, comforts them, tells them that there's a life outside of that. And you see a long shadow of a woman fall over her, a cold, domineering, judgmental shadow. And you see her look forward, you see her eyes, they're hazel, there's kind of rich earthy brown a little bit of green green like soft spring leaves her hair is light brown light blonde light blonde like the girl beside you who still hasn't given you her name mm -hmm. and that green of soft spring leaves turns to soft spring leaves blossoming all around her iris broadleaf beach and you see the twigs and boughs and leaves kind of grow and crawl over her face her skin pales and pales like soft bark she gets thinner and thinner, like a spry sapling. Her fingers grow long, and she steps back into the shadows. You see a boy that's familiar to you. You see Ricky, tough boy with problems with his father, who knows what he did, who wants everybody to know what he did, wants his father to admit what he did. He's so angry. You see the shadows of those long, long fingers point over him. And then you see the shadow of a tree, a massive tree, an ancient tree, a tree old like you. 
And you feel magic in that tree. Magic and divinity. A spark of divinity like the old gods. And she is here. You feel her roots beneath your feet. Even now you feel her energy humming in the bark of the tree at your back. And you feel her pointed toward that swaying tree. And you know that she's a creature of her nature. It's the people who choose, but they pay tribute nonetheless. Old gods are capricious. They are like nature. They are not kind, not wicked. People bring wickedness, but they are what they are. And there's a place for old things in the world, and there are places where they don't belong anymore. Do you know that very well yourself? Uh, toward the west, you see the moon. Another future, you see Mary. Her hair full of tangles, her clothes dirty, layers, um, her eyes wild. And you see saplings growing up beside her. Growing up beside her, first one, the boy, you recognize the brown eye and the twisted face. And then a thinner sapling with the broad leaf uh, fronds hanging from it, thin branches. And you see farther back, others just starting to grow, little buds. And she's going around with a watering can, and she is watering them with blood, and they are growing. And then the vision leaves you, and you are against the tree. Your head is resting back, supported on the bark. And you are still looking straight ahead through that little gap in the branches at the top of the tall, tall evergreen. I just look at the girl first. And uh, I say to her, um, your sister, Ruth. Did you see I'm Ruth? So, I'm sorry, I never... What is your name? Margaret. Uh, Margaret. Maggie. Maggie. I'm so sorry, Maggie. I... She takes a step back when you say you're sorry. She has a look on her face like... It's a warning look. It's a look that's a lot older and a lot... Yeah. <laughs> a lot tougher than you would expect on a 12-year-old. It's a don't. <laughs> I'm not a liar, though. Uh, so... Your sister... Belongs here now. What did they do to her? Because of what they did. Benemy, what happened? The tree, and she looks at the big rocking tree, is old, Yeva, like us. And they give gifts to it to stay protected. But they think they're doing it for their God. It's not too late to save the others, though. No. I think we have to. I think we have to get to that tree. Then let's go. Like recognizes like it might listen to us. I don't know but it's worth a try. Come on, Maggie. 
her cheeks are wet. She kind of scrubs her hand across her eye and she just gets a that fucking dogged, determined look that's way older than this 12-year-old child, the same one you saw in mm. your tent <laughs> when she sat down and dealt with you like you aren't an ancient power of the of the old world. Right. Like she's a match for you. I love her. are about to adopt this child, aren't Yes, they? <laughs> she is going to be our child. This is their little girl. <laughs> yep. And uh, she goes with you into the woods toward that evergreen. Send or Levi, Joan. So we were at a standstill before over the... Um, we over, <laughs> Yeah, we were we were in a standstill over the uh, over the tree. And oh, I think yeah. where I left off with Sandor is still just kind of like in a daze, right? I, I kind of like snapped out. Okay. <clears throat> um, kind of noticed that... Uh, that Eli is missing, um, but I uh, I realize I know that we need to get out. But there's something there that like he kind of needs to find this boy now too. Yep, and uh, you can still save one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, Sandor. This place. Look, I know the two of you aren't as old as I am. I hope not. But I have walked this worth for a long, long, long time. I was here where the light of the sun first shone, and I'll be here where it goes out. And this place is not part of that design. And everything in me that my father gave me points to that tree as the focal point of all of this. So I have to go there. If you need to leave, I understand. But that's where I have to go. A boy's voice echoes out in the woods. Eli! Eli, where are you? Eli! Can we tell which kind of direction, or is it that all-around sound kind of? Nope, this one uh, has a direction. This one is, it's between you and the big tree. It's closer toward the tree. Um, is boy's voice not quite a man? It's cracking a little bit here and there on certain notes. <laughs> but uh, it sounds very afraid, near panic. God damn it. Looks like we're going toward the tree. God damn it. My father has never guided me wrong, he says, and he just whooshes towards the tree. All parties head toward the tree. <laughs> <laughs> Our parties are en route toward the tree. You're picking your way through these tall, dark woods. Your breath is frosting in the air, and the moisture is freezing on your skin a little bit. It's become so, so cold. Your lashes are stiff with it. Um, Joan, your fur and hair is getting a little bit crispy with frost, but the cold doesn't bother you much. It never really did. Um, and you are hustling through these woods, moving as fast as you can. Um, with Sandor leading the way, you can move a little bit faster. Uh, those of you who are not quite in his wake or Venemi, Yeva, and um, Margaret, the going's a little rougher. The 
the branches are pulling at your clothing. You're stumbling over roots in the dark. Yeva, you can see a little bit better. And, and Fenemy, you have a you have a sense of things that are helping you navigate. Um, Maggie, as determined as she is, has been swatted by many a branch. She's bleeding a little bit on her cheeks. She doesn't complain at all. She falls. She picks herself up. Um, takes your help when when available. Um, and you're just roughing it. They're incredibly raw, incredibly hostile wilderness toward this tree. Uh, and you're getting closer, and you're getting closer, and that that whenever you glimpse it through the through the skyline, you can always see the tree from no matter where you are, which seems odd to you. Um, it doesn't seem like time and space are playing by the right rules that that tree is always in focus through any part of clear sky that you can glimpse. But nevertheless, there it is, dominating the landscape. Um, you get closer and closer. And you can see light through the trees ahead. Uh, firelight or lantern light. Light that flickers softly. It's warm. And you can hear uh, footsteps and the, the clamor of people. People talking. And then you hear, like, a boy yell, like, let go of me. Get the fuck off me. And uh, a couple shouts. Uh sit down, like, shut up, quiet, um, people arguing ahead. Uh, this is all of you, if you can hear this happening. You are all now close enough. All right, uh, on hearing, hearing the, um, the shouts and the other people, uh, Levi is definitely, like, picking up the pace, especially hearing the child or the boy shouting that. I don't think they all are. Yeah. Yep. You start to run toward this clamor. Um, as you get closer, you hear a man's voice kind of, quiet, everyone. And all of the murmuring and arguing goes quiet, and you can just hear the rough breaths of somebody breathing heavy. And the voice says, we have to make the sacrifice now. And you just hear a kind of, uh, just a yell, a wordless yell, and uh, a scuffle. Uh, a couple people gasp. And then you hear, let him go, a man's voice. Right now. And you are breaking through the trees. You can see now there is a group of people, there's a clearing in the trees. And the center of this clearing is an absolutely towering, massive evergreen tree. And it's moving. It's alive. Its branches are slowly kind of moving back and forth. It's not moving to strike. It's not walking. But it's just swaying with life. And there are townsfolk uh, gathered around the base of it in a, a loose circle. They have a boy. Uh, it's Ricky. Um, he's been wrestled to the ground. There's... Uh, Strong, older dude just on top of him. He's got a knee in his back. He's got his head held down. Um, another man that you have not seen yet. Uh, Fenemy, you recognize the man. He's, it's the mayor. He's, he's the tall, fair-haired man. He was the man in my vision. Has an accent. He's standing in the center of the circle near the boy, and so is the priest, Father Joseph. Um, you can tell because he's still wearing his white collar and his religious garb. Um, people have gasped and moved aside. Part of the circle has broken because the sheriff is standing there with his rifle racked and at his shoulder, and he is aiming it at the mayor. 
And he just says, very cold, he's like, you let my son up right now. And uh, you are all here at the tree line watching this. Whoever wants to do anything first, it is your go. But the tensions are very tight. There's a loaded gun aimed right now. Hmm. Uh, yes, Ricky is the sheriff's son. Okay, thank you. I, yeah, I just wanted to confirm. So, on seeing this and recognizing the mayor in her visions, uh, which she didn't say this necessary to Fenemy or or to Maggie, uh, but upon seeing him, uh, she's just like. That is the sun of the morning. That is that is the man in the vision. Uh, Maggie says that's Mayor Grace. They have Pause Ricky, and she goes to she she steps forward like she's going to run for it across the clearing. Unless Gave a grabs her. her. <laughs> you catch her arm, and she she stops short. She's like, "They're going to hurt him. We won't let him." Um. So, Fenemy's going to step forward. And in doing so, uh, she's a sacred oracle. I am going to mark some darkness because I'm going to unleash some uh, uh, my inner monster here. Uh, and when she steps forward, uh, she speaks. And it's still in a low voice, but it just echoes throughout this whole clearing. Like, everybody hears her. And she's just like, stop what you're doing. And she steps forward. And she walks, just walks out. And she walks past the sheriff and leaves him holding his gun out. Doesn't stop him. Touches Ricky, if she can, on the shoulder just reassuringly. But she walks to stand right in front of the mayor. Not too close, Ricky's but like... Ricky's on the ground, so you probably can't touch him. Um, okay. The guy holding him down does not get up. Uh, but the other uh, kind of villagers clustered in a circle, they part like the like the ocean for you. Okay. And I'm just <laughs> um, like... They just get... Something just tells them to just get the fuck out of your way. Like, yep. not to touch you. Like, it was yep. something very something bad sacred, they were Something sacred you. is here now talking to this man. Uh, and she's given hate stares at this mayor. Uh, and she's just like, you came here. You started all of this. Your lies caused this. Uh, He looks at you, and you don't see quite what you expected on his face. He doesn't look confused or guilty or surprised. uh, And he doesn't look like he's affected by you the same way everybody else is. Other people are getting away from you. Like, like in this moment where you are holding your power, Mm -hmm. uh, there's divinity in you. And mortals instinctually know that in a way. And you're very used to this. This has happened many, many times throughout the ages yep. here. He doesn't react to that. And you recognize for a moment looking at him now in the flesh something you did not catch in your visions, which is that he's old too. There's something about uh... him that is not entirely mortal. He came from somewhere far, far away. Um, and you can see in his eyes now that he brought something from where he is with from him to this place. And so I'm, I'm going to look in his eyes. I'm not going to like show any shock uh, you know even though she's a little surprised that she found someone else like them uh but she looks in his eyes and she says that to him you are old like i am old you are old like this place is old you bought it here what is it though speak your truth and that's what that's why what my 
by uh, unleashing my monsters. I'm going to force him to reveal his truth. Force another to reveal their hidden truth. Become omniscient. All right. So standing here, he, you know that what is standing before you is in the guise of a man, but he is not a man. He is not from around here. Not not from around here. Not as in not from over the seas. Not from Germany, which is where his accent is from. He's from under the hills. Um, and there is magic wrapped all around him. It's a glamour. He appears human, but he is definitely not. And it's been a long, long time since he and his kind have been properly treated, have been prayed to, have been sacrificed to, have been fed by the fears and hopes and aspirations of mortals. And he had to come all the way to this new land to get that for himself and for her. The tree standing several yards away, the massive trunk of her, just growing up. She was dying in his homeland, dying uh, with the coming of Christianity, with the coming of iron, with the coming of crosses, withering away on the roots. And it's funny and it's ironic that he brought her here to this place and worked with the man next to him, this man wearing a priest's collar, this man who lives in the house of God under the, under the cross. And it took that for her to grow lush again. He takes a pleasure in twisting that. As you might have too, had you been standing a little bit closer to his shoes than your own in this moment. But he looks at you and he sort of raises his hand. And he says, everyone, everything is all right. Be calm. And the people still nervous. Calm just a little bit. It doesn't completely dissipate your power or what you have brought into this clearing at all. But he has a sway over them too in this moment. Um, and the priest who is also standing more toward the center of this, you get the feeling that the priest is instrumental in whatever ceremonies that they hold here. He gets a kind of, he, he's confused. He's looking back and forth. He feels something strange is going on here. He sees that you are a threat and you see the hostility cloud his face almost immediately as he looks at you. And he says, do not interfere in the designs of the Lord. She just laughs in his face, uh, laughs completely in his face, and then says to him, um, the Lord, do you really think this is the design of your Lord? Or an older, hungrier Lord? The mayor smiles and it's a good clever little smile he's amused by you <laughs> and uh he says that's everything's quite all right joseph joseph uh hold on let me look at my moves here i got i don't want to steal the thunder so anyone else can just jump in here whenever they want uh but i am going to look at joseph and I'm going to attack him with words again, because uh, that's what Fenimy's good at. And she's going to say, um, look at what you've done. Eric, Ruth, now Ricky. Does your God really expect blood? Your God gave his blood so others might live. If you were really a follower of your God and a shepherd of your flock, would you not give your blood before the blood of innocent children? 
And I'm going to, uh, with that, uh, the move I'm making is I'm embracing the darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so roll plus breath. Nice. That's an eight. So that's a hit. All right, they're embracing the darkness. Two, uh, one. I'm going to show him true grief. I'm going to take something valuable from him. That value is his faith. I was just going to say, you take his faith. Yep. So as you speak and stand before this man of faith, um, he cannot deny that he sees something else in you. That the small, small world that he thought he knew so well, that he was so certain he was absolutely right about, is suddenly much larger and much less clear and much more nuanced than he ever thought it was. And there is so much more in this world than has been explained in his book, in his experience, and that he is small and he is doubting. And what if there isn't one God? What if everything that he's ever done, what if what he's done to all these children all of these years, what if he was wrong? And that fills in him such a terror that he he goes he goes pale, 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 almost like birch bark as he he just sort of steps back in his hands. He has a Bible clutched in one hand. He just drops it to the ground. Um, and he keeps backing up, backing into the crowd and a couple people like reach out to him to touch him, but he like pushes them away and he, he's just beholding you like you are a wonder and a horror. It's a look that you have long been due, Fenemy. And he hold he holds that look all the way until he's back out of the circle of people and he turns and he just flees into the woods. Um, and the people are shaken. <laughs> the people are, are shaken. Uh, Ricky starts to struggle again. He kind of makes a grunt and he t- tries to like bridge into this guy's knee who's got his, his knee pressed into his back. And he starts to struggle and fight a little bit. Uh, the mayor holds his hands up again. He's like, he's like, everything is fine. People. Oh, everything is so far from fine, mayor. Uh, and he, he comes toward you now. Uh, everybody else, what are you doing? Uh, you hear a cry again. Uh, Eli, where are you, please? And there's like a little bit of a sob there. Uh, it's super close to you now. Um, this this boy is within a hundred yards in the dark somewhere, wandering around completely lost. He might not have even noticed the firelight yet. Um, at this point, as things have been going on, um, Yeva will join the others, bringing Maggie with her, so that at least the family is near each other, as Fenemy has been doing this, so that they're not separated again. What the hell are you all doing here? <laughs> you, uh, you kind of join the circle. You come up with it. People are pretty much entirely focused on the mayor, um... A little bit on the fleeing priest, but he's almost gone now, and Fenemy. So they don't even really notice Yeva as you come up and sort of step into the circle with uh, Maggie. And Maggie is looking around, and she's been observing all this, and she has been hearing all of this. And you have seen and felt a rage growing within her this whole time. She's not afraid. 
She's probably confused, but she's not even thinking about what doesn't make sense right now. She's just so angry. Um, and you've got a hold on her still, but we've got a good sense of that. You're not sure if she's going to do something incredibly stupid or try to. So you, you 100% know that this child is volatile right now. <laughs> she looks down at her and she kind of gives her an under, a nod of understanding and says, we're going to get your friend first. And she looks at Mahela and gives her a little kiss on the forehead and rolls her arm out. And what I'm, a I don't know how to do this exactly. What I'm aiming for is for the python to sneak her way over to the dude holding Ricky. Oh, yes. And get him to drop the boy. Nice. Oh, yes. Nice. Him. Uh, That's amazing. The the incredible command of attention that Mayor Grace and both and Fem Fenemy have right now works to your advantage. Nobody even notices Mahela slithering through the soft undergrowth and the cold pine needles and leaves toward this evergreen. She's going right between people's feet, around their ankles, right up in the back there. Um, and she can. I don't know if you want me to roll my there. stats with her. Yes, it'll be your, she's she's a part of your character, yeah. essentially. So it will be so... a, one of your roles. Let's see here. It's not quite lash out with violence. She's, well, sort of. She's just trying to get him. She is a giant snake. It's the only things she can do okay, to stop so this man are probably <laughs> okay. unsettling and violent in some way. <laughs> okay, let me, let me get my dice out. Hold on. Because <laughs> I haven't had them out this whole time. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. So I will roll for lash out with violence. I think I have negative on bones, actually. No, I have plus one. Okay. Nice. Oh. Don't forget, you got re-rolls. Yeah, yeah no, we I got, do. I'm we so got a nervous. ton of re-rolls. Yeah. A ton? Who has a ton? Uh, we all have like two re-rolls. got at least. one. No, we got, we got another re-roll around. Oh, the last one? You have another one. Yeah. Okay, two. That's a seven. Nice. Seven is a hit. <laughs> All oh. right, so there are two negative effects that you choose, but she 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 gets this guy, whether you want her to sink her fangs into him and then, you know, coil, strong squeeze, death <laughs> ball, or just kind of coil around his arms and legs and bind him up. It's completely up to you how you want her to do it, but she does get him. She succeeds in the effect that you want. It just has a couple negative consequences. Yes. Uh, one of which can be further than you intended if you want. <laughs> she can... Mm snap this man like a twig <laughs> i think that i i think it is takes it farther because mahela is such a part of yeva that their emotions are practically shared and yeva is furious rage. so i think it's you take it further than you intended and you attract unwanted attention all right uh so nobody notices until Mahela is on him. She strikes like lightning, uh, kind of striking into one of his arms. And he jerks back a little bit. And then before he can even get off of Ricky, she's throwing coils around him, just wrapping him up. Uh, he rolls right off of Ricky. There's no way he can maintain his position or hold on him when the coils of this incredibly strong animal are just binding him up. Uh, he makes a scream. Everybody sort of gasps, and it breaks the spell a little bit in the in the field here. They they've stopped looking at Mayor Grace. They've stopped looking at Fenemy. They're looking at this giant snake and this 
just panicked, terrified, almost animal cry this man lets out before he can't really make any sounds because she's squeezing the life out of him. And there's just a soft gurgling kind of gagging, struggling noise. And you just hear the snaps of bones. The quiet in the field is so intense that they're incredibly loud in this moment. Uh, Ricky, as soon as he's off of him, starts scrambling away, backpedaling, kicking in the dirt to get away from this giant snake and this dude that she's absolutely pretzeling. And I think what causes the attention is Yeva panics a little and she takes a couple quick steps forward and holds her hand out and just goes, Mahela! And it's too quiet and she didn't realize how quiet it was as the snake comes back to her. Everybody now sees that you have sicked this giant snake on this man definitely to death. This man is is he's very purple. There is blood coming out of his mouth, his nose, his eyes. He's being absolutely pulped. Um, they are freaking out. Uh, and Graham swings the gun toward you now that Ricky's up. Um, the the sheriff. Yep. She looks at do? him. <laughs> she looks at him in the eyes and just goes, "Your boy didn't deserve it. I wanted him free." some kind of role to be made here. That's that's fine. Uh, I will make a role. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, probably, probably just going to make an ability role, maybe. Oh, really? Is if it, anybody has another suggestion, that is also fine. Is There's it, also Endure the Darkness. Is, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that can work. You're the about to be shot by this dude who is every problematic dude ever yeah that's <laughs> fine uh yeah i'll roll that that's plus breath which means minus one uh mm. Do I, I have two re-rolls i have two re-rolls i'm using one i'm using Use one it. i'm using one That was worse. Oh boy. All right. What'd you get? Three. A three? All right. Uh, you, you say like, I, your boy didn't deserve it. You know, you didn't want anything to happen to him and he pulls the trigger. He shoots you. Yep. So the gun goes off with a crack and people lose their minds. Now people start, uh, screaming, freaking out. Some of them are just frozen in place. Some of them start running. They're just like scattering. Um, Absolutely losing it. Uh, take take three harm, Yeva. How uh, how much do I? You, you get five, five total before you. Okay, that's fine. So he shoots you center yep. mass. It is somewhere in your torso. There is yep. a lot of pain. There's a lot of shock. Um, you're still up right now because of the shock, mostly. Like you've been shot. You know you've been shot. You're still standing here. Um, blood is rapidly spreading down your clothes. And uh, Ricky tackles his father with just a yell of rage. He, like, scrambles up, he tackles his dad down, and he starts hitting him. And he's just screaming, you killed her, you killed her, you killed her. And he's just hammering into his dad, who's in his moment of shock, not really defending himself. Uh, what is everybody else doing? <laughs> uh, Levi sees Yeva get shot. And uh, he's going to go nuclear. So um, let me just look through this again. 
because I oh, think I need, I need to release my inner monster again. I uh, know what her next move is. Oh my so God. I think you can only do it once. Oh, so it it's only once per it's game, once right? Per I game. think so. I might be getting that wrong. Or, Somebody or will correct session. me if I am, but if no, I think it's session. once per session. Once yeah, per I session. think so. Once per session. Yeah. All right. No. No problem. No problem. Uh, either way, he just is gonna um, jump right in, and uh, the question is: Is he just go crazy and start attacking? Yes, he no, does. I, I don't feel, I feel like uh, Levi is not the type to do that. To, you know, that's a good of, point. He's more of the, he would, yeah, he's going to grab Eva. He's going to pick her up with his good arm uh, and um, just kind of cradle her. Yeah. Grab Eva, try to pull her back a little bit. Yep. Try to get her out of the situation and get his body between her and the guy because getting shot really is there, nothing to him. Yeah, There's still so, a gun around. It is still within reach. It is not currently in anyone's hands because of the fucking mm, fist fest Ricky's throwing onto his dad's face right now. I don't know if you would think to grab the gun, to be honest with you. I think he's just, he's just, he's on Yeva. <laughs> he grabs her. Yeah, Troy, I'm not playing Troy. The right? one time Troy did not yeah. grab the gun. Ah, Troy, <laughs> he should have been here. So, so I will uh, just be put, but he puts his body between Yeva and Deidre. Um, and I know, and I'm not going to obviously, I want everyone else to do their thing first, but when mm. he grabs her, she's going to grab his face and still shaking, just say, get me to the tree. Ooh, okay. Okay. And then everyone else do their thing. Uh, okay, you got to head first, Ken. Uh, Sanders actually going to go and he is going to take, get the gun. Oh, and God. he's just going to break it. Sander. <laughs> No roll needed. Like a twig, you just snap that bitch right over your knee. Full metal long gun, boom, like fucking nothing. It will never work again. Where you've grabbed it on the stock, the wood is all splintered and warped, the barrel you've squeezed completely closed, and then you just snap it in half. Uh, when, sorry, go ahead, did you have more Nope, time? nope, 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 go, go, go. Uh, when the mayor was moving towards Fenemy, <clears throat> Joan was gonna start moving towards Fenemy too, and the mayor, once he started moving towards her. Joan was going to move towards Joan, me. you're pretty damn fast. You're there quicker, maybe even than you hope to be. A uh, couple people, like, flee past you, brush past you as you're running toward the danger. People are scattering into the woods. Some are just standing there in shock. Um, uh, Maggie, at this point, she kind of runs forward, too. She's snapped out of the sudden violence of it, and she 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 is going after the mayor and Ricky. She kind of gets right in there, and she, like, pushes Ricky back a bit, and she just She's trying to get a couple shots in, not on the mayor, on a couple of the sheriff. sheriff. She's trying to get a couple shots in on the sheriff, too. <laughs> She's piled on there with him. <laughs> These are our kids now. Yep. Trying to get a couple shots in there. So there is a, there are two teens slash preteens on top of this sheriff who is starting to come out of shock. So he's moving his hands now. He's like, got his hand up. He's like, pushed Ricky's head down. And then Margaret comes in and she kicks him in the ribs and then she gets down in there and she's grabbing his arm trying to pull his his hand away from Ricky's face and they're just like fucking going at it. Maggie like ah, ah bites into his arm. She's just ah. <laughs> There's uh, pure chaos going Mayor on Grace, here. Mayor Grace uh, is like he has like a, almost an aw shucks look on his face really. It's it's super out of place with everything else. All the terror <laughs> the fear and the rage that's going on. He's like looks around and sees everybody scattering. He's like well, that's ruined kind of look, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck do you have anything you need to say or do, uh, Joan? 
Uh, I mean, she's not really going to do anything unless the mayor takes like a, a harmful action towards you. Okay. Uh, the mayor she's looks at you coming onward, Joan. Yeah, she <laughs> just wants to move close enough to be able to do something. Uh, he looks at you. Um, it's almost a look of recognition, and then he starts heading toward the tree. I'm going to move towards Tenemi then. Benemy's going to follow towards the tree, but not too close. If that makes sense. Like, right, you know, I'm not going to be like right on his ass. I'm not going aggressively oh at him. God. I'm just kind of walking towards the tree to see what he does. Uh, and um, my family's splitting up. Yeva's been shot. Like So Benemy <laughs> is going to talk and she's going to talk to him. She's going to talk to the mayor again. And um Maya Grace, it's not your real name, is it? None of us go by our real names anymore. Although I use mine, but it's so old nobody really remembers who I was anymore. I know how it must feel. You and her. He he looks at you. Um, and when you say that's not your real name, he gets that little bit of a clever smile again and he sets his hand on the trunk of the tree and he like steps closer to her. And it's almost it's like an intimate step. It's the way someone would step closer to their spouse or their lover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, to be who I was, I never got to have anyone else came with the territory, but I envy you in a way having someone over the long, long years, because I haven't really had anyone, at least in that regard. I've had Yeva, although... Oh dear. And I see like <laughs> he's getting, meanwhile Levi is like carrying her bleeding towards the tree. What I'm trying to say is I think I understand in a way what you would have what you've done, even though I don't agree with it. I haven't done it. I Clever planted boy. a seed. Yes, I understand. They fed it. I understand. They chose, they let it grow. That's what they've always chosen over the years. So many are gone now. They are. And those of us who are left, we just need to find ways to fit in. What do you want, Seer? What you've done here with the children is wrong. I never suggested children. They immediately Hmm. went after those who could not defend themselves, as is their nature. They really don't deserve anything. No one deserves anything, he says, kind of regarding the tree now. Who is she? She is the Evergreen. And you? Who are you, really? I am hers. What does it take to keep her alive? Blood? Always? It always is blood, but I think it is loss. Parting with something precious. The way only mortals hold things to be precious. Okay. Uh, I'm fine with Levi and Eva getting there at that point in time. It's not a bar trip, so if you have to want to jump in there, you could certainly have heard that part, Sarah. Okay. 
uh, Yeva kind of ignores them. And as soon as she can kind of wriggle out of Levi's arms, goes up to the tree. Oops. And she puts her hand on it. She's alive. You can feel that life within her more than any. All plants are alive, but she is more than alive. You can feel the spark of divinity in her the way you have a little spark of divinity in you, the way Benemy has a spark of divinity in her. You are alike. And she is going to gently close her eyes and lean her head forward. And she is going to very, very quietly say, You can see me. Let me see you. And I'm going to indulge my inner monster, become undeniable, summon the darkness to face you. Oh. All right. That is your, yep, the once per session, you don't have to do anything, summon the dark to face you. Okay. And you lay your hands on this tree, you feel she's alive, and something about her makes you want to press your cheek to her. The way you've rested your cheek on people's chests, but more intimate in a way that you actually feel. Maybe the first time you've ever made that gesture and actually feel it. And she opens to you like a blossom in spring. And you see her long, long, long life. She was born in another world. The mortals often refer to it as under the hill. It's a place you can get through through fairy circles sometimes. Or little passageways behind falls. It's a place that many, many, many of the doors have been shut for a long time. But she was born in that place long, long ago. She was born in that place when man was young, when humanity was young, when humanity was huddling around fires, fearing things in the dark, fearing wolves in the night, wearing animal skins, working with bronze tools. And she lived there for a long time, in that place. But people started their wars with their different religions. Started determining to understand everything about the world. Started determining to decide what was correct. To make truths what they deemed they should be. And she was brought by her people into this world as a way of trying to hold on to it. She was planted in a deep, dark forest, a place that was well and truly wild when she first grew there. And she grew there for a long time. And for a long time, the people of that region feared and respected her as they should have. And she was a reminder that the world was bigger and wilder than they imagined. And there was a balance in that, in a way. They didn't fell trees too deeply into the forest. They didn't cut too deep. But eventually... Less and less came to visit her, less and less came to pay sacrifices, less and less came to respect her power, to revere her, to revere the woods. And she, as iron and crosses swept the region, she withered like sunlight had been cut off. Without their fear, without their respect, without their wonder, with every tree and log felled in her forest. Until eventually she had just a few followers left. Just a few folk from her own fair lands. And the mayor took her from that place as a small seed. 
took her in its pocket to a new world to try and start again when everyone was trying to start again. Took her around from place to place. She's traveled this land a few years here and there, a few years here and there, never really setting down roots for long. She has not set down roots for long in this place either. But there had been hope. She will have to move again after tonight. But you sense that she is, she is a darkness. The same way that there's darkness in nature, she is not kind. She is not cruel. She demands what she demands, and people decide and interpret what that means. More often than not, everywhere she goes, people turn on each other, and they decide what she is due is someone else's, never their own. But as long as the price is paid, she can grow. So she holds herself close there. I know that you are looking for something that one place cannot give. That what you need is beyond soil and dirt and blood. And that you wish to grow, but you cannot grow in one place. The world has changed around us whether we want it to or not. We are slaves to time. And you are more powerful than that. But still the world changes around us and men take what they want. But we understand you. I understand you. I am not kind. I am not cruel. I take what I want. And I move on. Tribute is paid. And I live. That is how we live. You do not need these people. You do not need him. Come with us. I will give you what you want. There is something that only a woman understands. And I can feel that in you. I don't know what kind of role you want Ava, me to make. Are you striking a deal? Yes. What do you offer of yourself? Loyalty. Fealty, in a way. You will serve the Evergreen. Yeah. And she will come with you. Yeah. All right. Go ahead and nice. roll plus Guile. Perfect. That's the perfect thing for this. Nice. Mm-hmm. My Guile is minus one. Oh, no. <laughs> we got a ton of rerolls. Is not meant to be an honest character. But she is being Every completely once in a while. honest in this moment. Yeah. There's I'm going to re-roll immediately. There you go. <laughs> 
Got another one, Sarah. Thank you, Rigmir. They're coming in. They're coming in. I have to use it. I, I was like, to. Sarah, just take them, all. The take, take all take them all. Take, take all of them. I've got two. Take them. <laughs> yeah, I've got one left. I've got two actually, too. So yeah, take them. <laughs> just keep them. <laughs> this is too important. Drain the roll. I'm I have to change my dice. I don't. Change. Yeah, those dice are cursed. Break out the good dice. Double sixes. Hell Boom. yes. There you okay. Go. Can we rig it? We can rig it enough. <laughs> We just did. For sure. <laughs> we can rig it enough. Never let the dice get in the way of a good story, folks. That's right. That's absolutely and right. We one. had re-rolls. We're using it's them. It's fine. It's this, mm. it's this thing that I made for our Twitch chat. Yeah, we're fine. You feel her sigh. And she shifts toward you. Um, at the same time, Mayor Grace lowers his hand from her trunk. Um... A somber look is on his face, like he has lost something, but there's also a look of understanding. And he looks at you, Yeva. And it's a look that you know very well in men's faces. There's a little bit of jealousy in it, a little bit of envy, a little bit of you have taken something from mine. But there's something you're less familiar there, too, and it's an acceptance of her choice. Um, The roots around your ankles kind of lift themselves from the earth, and they crawl and slither around your legs. Uh, they get wrapping around, coiling around your body, a f- gesture that's familiar, like your sa- snakes, your serpents. It's not frightening. It's calming to you. It feels right. Even as she slides under your shirt, following the trail of blood into the, the hole that has been punched in your chest. And you feel the roots enter you, enter your chest, growing. And there is pain there. But you let it take you. You've made a bargain. She will come with you, and you will be hers. And together you will try to navigate this strange and shrinking world the best you can until you can no longer. And you feel the roots climb into your chest deeper, deeper, toward your heart. And you feel that serpentine coiling around your chest as a living, growing thing is planted there. And then they let you go. Uh... The evergreen shutters and needles start to sprinkle from the boughs like snow, kind of raining all around you, these deep green needles that shouldn't be shed just yet. And there's a sense of peace kind of coming over the glade. Uh, <laughs> the kids are kicking the shit out of the sheriff in this moment. <laughs> uh, they have been, uh, Maggie has been kind of thrown aside. The sheriff has gotten his shit together. He's tossed the small girl off of her and he's wrestled his son down and he's just saying like Ricky calm down and Ricky is struggling and yelling and those sounds are starting to come back to you as the kind of immediate intensity and magic of the place calms uh Ricky starts he's he's sobbing now he's angry sobbing and he's saying you killed Ruth and uh Joan, you are probably Joan and Sandor. You are probably closest to the children in this scuffle right here. The others are closer to the tree. Um, you both see Maggie pick up a rock, and she is heading toward the sheriff with it. No hesitation. You have to spring to action fast if you wish to interrupt. I left toward Senani and Gava. So I was the. I'm still right there because I, I basically. Oh God, you're the worst the person gun. to be here. <laughs> I snapped the gun, and I was letting the kids kick the shit out of the sheriff. 
they're doing a pretty good job until he snapped out of it a bit. He is bigger and stronger than them. And when he does snap out of it, that is when I do step in. And I just take, I just like pinch the front of his shirt. I'm guessing it's like the, the normal like cop, like button up, like de- could be probably denim. Is it like a time. kind of uh, tough denimish sheriff jacket thing? Yeah. On. <laughs> so just between my thumb and uh, forefinger, I just pinch it and I just pick him up. <laughs> he like rolls over on his son. And he's like, "Calm down, Ricky." And he's like, "You killed her. You killed Ruth." And you're just like yoink and you jerk this dude off him he makes a kind of sound uh but you've got him maggie is standing a few paces away she is shocked that you picked this dude up by that is a shocking sight even to a 12 year old in a blood rage her chest is heaving and she's clutching this rock and you know that if she if you lower him she will in this moment bludgeon this man to death to the best of her ability (laughs) uh so kind of pushes against your chest you are the immovable object, so nothing fucking happens with that. See, seeing seeing Maggie with the rock that she's going to try to uh, smash the sheriff's head in with, I, I I'm going to like just kind of like look over my shoulder at her, and it's like that's not something that you want on your hands. And I'll just it's his fault. Him and the. Him and the priest, him and the mayor, they killed Ruth. <clears throat> and she's starting to sob now. It's like the the rage is just turning into angry tears. She's like sobbing and she's shaking. She's just wired with adrenaline. Ricky's picked himself up off the ground. He says, put him down. He deserves it. And the sheriff now, he like grabs onto your forearm. Again, this man can do nothing here. But he says, he says, Ricky, it was you or the girl. It was going to be you or the girl. And I chose the girl and I'm not fucking sorry about it. You're my son. And Ricky looks away from his father kind of in disgust. I'm going, uh, I'm going to start moving away from the kids still holding the sheriff <laughs> as gingerly as I can. Um, he is currently holding himself up for the most part, I guess. <laughs> and I'll just uh, say, I'll just look him in, uh, look him straight in the face, and I'll just tell the kids like he's going to get what he's uh, deserves. And I'm gonna head, uh, start heading towards where the tree and the rest of the everyone else is. A scream pierces the darkness in the forest um not too far into the tree line in the direction that the priest had run it is a man's scream it is a terrified scream uh and it it keeps going it's not just one yell it's a scream that ends and then starts again and it keeps going and both of the kids look in that direction it's a horrible thing to hear um and it, it gets to them even in this moment Benemy just says. <laughs> Benemy looks at um at Bayer Grace, and she just says, "Sounds like someone's getting what they deserve." One last sacrifice. In silence, he sort of uh, rests his hand once more on the tree trunk. 
gives her a little pat, and then he watches Euphenomy as he steps behind her and breaks your line of view. I'm assuming he's just going to disappear, so that's fine. She's probably dealt with that stuff before. You're like, uh, I know that trick. <laughs> I know that one. Well, see, you've gone and gotten yourself in a mess again. She says as she looks at Yeva. She's got a new thing to feed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it a mess this time? The pain of the gunshot feels much, much better. There's still a hurt there and a soreness there, but the the raging, burning pain is gone now, and it's replaced with a a cool feeling, and you and you feel the the thing inside of you. You feel that it's there, the seed in your chest, and your heart still beats once in a while, but you feel very different. There's a reason that my playthings are only men. I know. I know. I think she does too. Nobody deserves to be alone as long as we're alone. You did the right thing, but you still have to get me my opium. <clears throat> We'll figure it out. Right, she let's go. looks down and Mahela is like just like staring. Uh, swallowing at her. this dead guy. Oh, this is not, <laughs> no like distended jaw. No, no, she she had called Mahela to her and Mahela would just like had like stopped when it was she, when she knew she's like, Mom's going through a weird thing, so I'm gonna wait. And now she she lowers her hand and the snake just like right up the arm back to where she belongs over her shoulders. Hmm. A comforting sight. And Mahela's tail wraps around, coils around her stomach uh, as it usually does, and the tip of her tail rests right over where the gunshot wound was. So, now that you're all sacred and wooden, um, do you know where Eli was? We were looking for him. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That No, wait, sorry. Whoops, wrong character. Wrong character. That's Levi. <laughs> Levi, <laughs> Levi says, oh. um, I got my power just mixed up. Uh, <laughs> Levi's like, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah. Look no. at her. She's great. Yeah. Okay. You look great. Thanks. What happened to you? Oh, what? This? Oh, it's nothing. Joan just did. No, yeah, she's looking between broken arm and then Joan, who I presume is still naked, <laughs> covered in blood, piss, and dirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> holding a dog still. I'm still holding a, a dog. Day. But there was, there was a we've got, wait, let's, he counts the kids. And he vaguely is aware, but can we like collaborate? Do we have the kids or is Eli still missing? Eli is still missing, and you have heard James several times, but have not seen him. He is somewhere in the immediate vicinity of the woods. We need to round up the children. Eli is missing. (sighs) He was a little one. Ava. Yeah? You know where... You know where one of your children are. Is. Which one? A girl. 
You feel her mm. in the woods. Oh, Ruthie. Ruth. Ruthie. She's in the direction of the screams. Yeah, she probably got the priest. Despite all the weirdness, Yeva is still Yeva, and she's she kind of just looks over at Maggie for a minute. Maggie's finally put down the rock. She drops the rock, finally. Finally. <laughs> Sandra's also still holding the mace. Yep. Yeah. The sheriff. She can't jump that high. That's oh, yeah, the sheriff. Thank down. you. <laughs> so she walks over to Maggie. And she bends down. Is this where she died? Is this where my sister died? Yes and no. Your sister is changed. I, can I, I will, see her? I can take you to her now. It's Ricky not. is looking at you all ears right now, too. <laughs> she looks between the two of them. It's not going to be pretty. But you're brave, and I know that. Ricky says, I never got to say goodbye. You can now. And she looks over at the others. I don't know where the others are. Just the one right now. I'm gonna take them to her. We'll, um, we'll look for the other ones. You take them. She reaches into her pocket, pulls out the car keys, and throws them to Fenemy. I think I'll be able to find my way back. You better. Made you a will. promise. I'm going to. Okay. Made a couple promises. And Waylon's one of the few men I keep my promises to. To be fair, he deserves it. He does. And she'll take the kids one in each hand to just start walking. You walk into the tree line. And the sounds that this toward the direction of the vanishing screams. They have gone quiet now. Uh, the rest of you, do you fan out and search or do you head back? Yeah, the car? we'll fan out and search. Probably heading towards the sound we heard of the other boy first. It's actually in the same direction as the screams were last oh, time great. we heard it. Well, we'll just kind of, I guess, go back. <laughs> Mosey around in a fanned out position. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are you Ava, you're here. Uh, your friends are kind of scattered several yards apart, kind of on either side of you, searching the woods. Um, but you know exactly where to go. Um, and you don't stumble and you don't trip on anything anymore. You know exactly where to place each foot. Um, every branch or twig that brushes by you is gentle, like a caress. None of it tugs your hair or scrapes your skin anymore. It's like you're at home here. The forest welcomes you. But you pick your way through the woods um, to like a kind of mossy uh, depression 
in the earth. There's a small little dry ravine, perhaps uh, during heavy rains, it would fill with water. But right now it's empty. It's just full of cold mosses and roots and dirt. And uh, you see, uh, first you see James. <laughs> he is standing a ways back, just staring ahead um, with a very pale, shocky look on his face, uh, breathing hard. Um, this is the and little then kid, right? James is the older brother of Eli. Okay, Eli's brother. Fine. And you follow his gaze into the little glade there, where you see what's left of the priest. <laughs> um, he has been torn apart, rended, would be the word for what has happened to this man's body. His limbs have been twisted and disjointed, pulled apart through sheer strength at the joints here and there. Um, thorns have torn his flesh and peeled muscle off the bone in numerous ways. He's a mess, just a wet red mess, um, just shining kind of brightly with moonlight in this blade here. And there is the girl. You immediately recognize her as the girl. Everybody else sees a creature. <laughs> um, but you see the girl in her. Uh, she's 14 years old when she came to this place, and she will be 14 forever. She's tall, 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 and very thin, impossibly thin. Her waist is three or four inches across, covered in soft bark of a beech tree. Her hair and her head has branched with numerous boughs full of thick leaves despite the cold in the season. Um, she's more human than the other uh, than the other boy that the others had seen. You can still see the shapes of her legs, her limbs, even though her fingers and her toes have gone into roots or branches. Um, and she still has both of her eyes, those hazel eyes with the soft, soft green centers. She is covered in blood and bits of this man. There's entrails, bits of flesh hanging in her brows and her branches, but she's kind of rising from his body now, her feet and roots kind of dug into the blood-soaked earth. And beside her, just kind of like a little ways, three or four feet away, just clear of the splatter fest, is Eli. Um, and he doesn't really look afraid. <laughs> um, he looks all right as he he's just kind of standing there watching her, looking across at his brother. And she she turns and she looks toward you as you approach with Maggie and with Ricky. And she reaches out, and Eli doesn't shrink away, but she puts that monstrous kind of branched, willowy hand on Eli's shoulders. And she kind of pulls him along and pushes him forward gently toward you, leaving a red handprint and streak on his clothing. And then she just sort of crouches there in the woods very quietly. And Maggie and Ricky just stare at her in shock for a moment. And Maggie's the first one to just run forward. She runs past Eli. She runs up to this monstrous tree creature, tree woman, tree monster. And she she hugs her kind of without, without hesitation or anything. Some of the branches kind of poke at her or jab at her. It can't be comfortable. But she wraps her hands around this gruesome, bloodied thing that is still her sister, and she just cries. And I, I can see Ruth is making no ill movements. Nope, none at all. That's all she cares about. And after a few moments, Ricky kind of 
He just steps forward a bit. He doesn't get too close. But he says, I'm so sorry. I love you. And she kind of gently disentangles herself from her sister. Kind of touches her face gently with those branches. You can see the twigs kind of bending across the shape of her face. The soft leaves dragging down her cheeks, leaving splats of red. And then she kind of pushes her back gently back toward you and she kind of backs up creeping away toward the woods without turning her back to you just facing you looking at you looking at ricky backing toward the darkness yeva looks at her and she just very quietly but knowing that she'll hear her says i'm gonna keep him safe ruthie okay i'm gonna do what they didn't There's a sound like wind in the leaves. It's a summery sound, a sound that's very unlike this cold, cold woods. But it's a sigh, and you can hear and feel the relief in it. Uh, farther back, barely perceptible at the edge of the darkness, um, a woman with wild hair, many layers of clothes, stands waiting. And Ruth backs all the way toward her waving hands. And they stand a moment looking at you across this glade, across all this space. And then they back into the darkness. She looks at the other kids and just kind of James and, and Eli, right? James kind of reaches out for Eli as soon as he's <laughs> been sent along and grabs his brother and just pulls him against him. And he holds him. He's sh he's shaking <laughs> really, really hard. He's, he's in uh, shock. Uh, tears are streaking his cheeks. He's clearly been through a hell of an ordeal watching this. You have no idea how long he was watching this. <laughs> but from the look on his face, it was a while. Um, and the rest of you, you are near enough to have caught at least some of this. You, like, noticed James heard Yeba addressing someone. Coming at very Fenemy just very stands and, and Fenemy just stands and watches um, kind of silently. And I think Levi probably makes a move to go down there and she just kind of grabs him and, like, pulls him back a little bit. Even though they don't like each other. Uh, for once, he listens. Because Troy's not here. Uh, James takes a couple breaths just hugging his brother, and his brother hugs him back and kind of buries his now slightly bloodied face against his, his brother's side. And James says, uh, Father Joseph was looking after us. We have nowhere to go. You do now, if you want it. You kids want to join he the like circus? Kind of peeks half of his face up, and he looks at you, and he just nods against his brother. And she looks to Ricky and Maggie, and she says, You know this offers for you too, right? Sandor, what did you do with the sheriff? I'm still <laughs> holding him. Yeah! <laughs> just, like, just in the woods. I, I, honestly, like, I figured... I, I figured, uh... Uh, what was her name? Uh, was going to come. Mary. Kind of Mary. I thought she was going to kind of come after us. No. 
No. Not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, but I was gonna throw uh him at her feet. Mm. But since she kind of like backed away, I'm not gonna toss him across the glen. <laughs> I mean, you could. <laughs> I, I very well could. I you can also well just could. leave him here in this woods for her too. You could stick him in a tree. Mm. Not like in a in a tree, like yeah. That that is something. Uh, or you that can I w- head in the direction that Mary went if you'd like. You know, uh, Sand. He does need to do that. Sandor <laughs> makes sure that the kids are kind of with you all. All kids are accounted for. Counts them off, and he drags the sheriff into the woods, crossing the glade, crossing the red red ruin that Ruth has left um, at the bottom of that little little depression there, and heads into the woods. Um, Ricky watches you go for a long time. And then he says, I'd like to go with you. Yeah. And Maggie kind of reaches out and grabs Ricky's hand and then just pulls him in for a hug. And Yeva's not gonna interrupt, but she is gonna step forward and gently place a hand on either of them, just kind of almost holding them. Benemy comes down and joins that little family hug. Unless she gets kicked out. <laughs> Nobody in, involved in this little hug is in any mood to be pushing anybody away right and, now. <laughs> uh, and she looks at Yeva and she says, you know, I never really got a chance to be a mom. I think that's going to be changing a bit. First time for everything. How many thousands of years? Too many. All right. Whenever your group is ready, Gaba, you know the way out of the woods. She waits for Sandor. <laughs> Sandor. Um, Mary is waiting for you. She's not that far. She's beyond sight um, in a dense thicket full of tall, thin uh, pines. Um, and she's waiting. And you can see Ruth off a little ways, hiding in the shadows, the tips of her branches poking out from a larger tree just waiting there um and she watches you drag the sheriff board the sheriff's talking to you as you go he says i did it for my son i any any parent would i had to save my son they were they were gonna they were gonna make us choose it was gonna be him or the girl it was gonna be him or the girl just kind of pleading digging his feet in um and mary watches you approach dragging him forward and right, then she right says, before what about we, my son? right before we get to, uh, to them, as he said, it's like it was my son or, or her. It's just uh, without even looking at him, it's the proper man of the law would make sure that everyone's protected, not just his own family. And I'm gonna, when we get there, I'm gonna, uh, 
throw him quite hard at yes. her feet. So he he's kind he of is, stunned. He is jarred. He is not getting up quickly at all. <laughs> uh, Mary kind of looks down at him, kind of down the length of her nose almost, a look of disdain, and she says, and what about my son? You said he was a murderer. You know what my husband had been doing to me. You know that he had hurt me. You knew that Eric had just tried to protect me. You knew the truth. But you went to the priest. You told him that my boy was a murderer. And you listened when the priest said that murderers are abhorrent in the eyes of God. And you let them drag him out here. And the sheriff just starts to sob. She says, so you'll stay out here too. As long as it takes. Forever. She looks up at you, Sandor, and she just gives you a little nod. He, knowing that he did just kill her son, finally, actually, uh, like his life has been ended. I don't know. Sander isn't quite sure if he was suffering the entire uh, the time, but there's. The only thing he can really bring himself to say is sorry. He looks at you and you notice the tear tracks that are cut down like the dirt on her cheeks and her skin. And she stares at you a long, hard moment. For a moment in that hardness, there is that anger there. She knows what you did. But then she sort of takes a deep breath and she looks back at the sheriff and she says, peace will be a lot longer coming for this man than it was for my son. And she lets you go. He will. He'll slowly back away before he turns, knowing that he doesn't really deserve the. Really, the kindness that she just showed him for the act that he had committed and he will make his way back to the across the glen to everyone else as you're backing away just before you turn you see that shape of Ruth that slender tree girl shape come out from the tree a little bit and start coming forward And then you head back to join your friends. Y'all, <laughs> together, <laughs> covered in blood, piss, dirt, sweat, pretty much every substance known to man, sap, uh, rally together and make your way together out of the forest. And the force doesn't get in your way this time. It doesn't bend. It doesn't twist. It doesn't shift time. It doesn't try to keep you. It lets you go because you're taking a piece of it with you. 
so when you clear the tree line, you look back, and it's just the shelter belt again. That thin stretch of woods that was planted by Roosevelt in an attempt to try and cling on to a little of this topsoil, stop a little of the the terrible ravaging of of the countryside due in no small part to man's influence. And you are changed in small ways and large. Your little family of misfits and rejects has grown. You look down at these uh, kids who are coming with you. Um, Maggie has no interest in returning to her family who kept lying to her about where Ruth went <laughs> when they knew damn well they'd let her die or something close. Um, so your job uh, in many ways is just beginning. Yeva, you've kind of shrugged responsibility for some time here, uh, living a lot of the wildlife, and you'll have a few adventures more in your future, but there's a terrible responsibility on your shoulders now both to what you carry in your chest and to those you've gathered around you now. Uh, Fenemy, perhaps you don't feel quite so lonely. And Sandor and Joan, you've been through another really hard, really dark thing together. And somehow, by miracle, you've still come out the other side with each other. But the truck is where you left it. There are supplies in the cabin, and the road lies ahead. Thank you all for watching. Hey. All right, all right. We did it. Session ran real Dang. long, but I'm glad I didn't rush it, and we got a mm -hmm. conclusion on there. That was amazing, Amber. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. You guys, that was uh, great. I'm very excited about how this would turn out. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, we killed that. Killed Absolutely. the hell out of that. Anyone still watching live? Thank you for bearing with <clears> us. <throat> oh, yeah, we have, such we have a, a lot of people. Yep. Freaking yeah. out right now. Chad is very happy. They have Amber. They wanted to kill you when Toto was at risk, and now they're like falling at defeat. Like I don't. That's how it goes. <laughs> I have a gift. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I realized um, if I had a nickel for every time I had a character that sacrificed herself to an elder plant god, you I have two I nickels. Oh. I was like, she's <laughs> always taking the darkness into her. But it's funny that it's happened twice. Yeah. <laughs> Max, thank you for the gift sum, honey. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> Yeah, oh I was my gosh, the, the wolf, too, wolf. in the uh, Dread game. Oh, my god! Oh, yeah, I wasn't even thinking oh, about it that. It wasn't a plant guide, but. I was guide, thinking but... about Sarah <laughs> and the <laughs> island. <laughs> yep. You yeah, got... no, I was thinking the island. I was thinking the plants. island. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I forgot well, about you the, did. the god. Yeah. Off, fa in fairness, off stream, you did uh, protect kids from an elder plant god and blew it up. Yeah. Yep, yep, in the other game. Yeah, oh, you've got a, you got a, you got a thing, Sarah. This is a weird theme that I didn't realize I had. Man, oh, I wow. have some really big shoes to fill next time. <laughs> she... I'm not sorry. Oh, oh Christ, this is the point where I have to talk.
Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's coming up. Uh, yeah, so, thank you. Yeah, thanks for watching. Like thanks for staying with us so long. Um, coming up next, we're not going to do horror. We're going to do fantasy because uh, you've heard me yak and yak and yak on and on and on about Quest. Uh, so that's what we're playing. And it's going to be a little bit of a shift for us because we've played shorter series in the past. But uh, this time we're going to play a longer series. Uh, we're going to let it go uh, until it's over. Uh, it's a very well-written campaign for RuneQuest called Six Seasons in Sartar. It's a very good introduction to the world. I think it's going to be really cool. I think if you've never played it or don't know anything else about RuneQuest, you're going to really like it uh, because it's a really different kind of epic, very Iliad, Odyssey, epic of Gilgamesh sort of fantasy. Uh, not your typical, you know, Dungeons and Dragons fantasy. Uh, so that's going to be really cool. This, by the way, in light of all the stuff that happens, uh, this is a starter set. This thing in its paper form is like two pounds. It's the biggest starter set I've ever seen in a game. Uh, it right now, the digital version, 99 cents on drive through RPG. Oh, shit. Shit. This and this and the Call of Cthulhu starter set, 99 shit. cents. Go get them. Uh, because it is a great, great deal. Uh, so that's what we're going to be doing next, uh, RuneQuest. And we'll be kicking that off. That'll run for a while. Uh, and then after that, We'll do what we do. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Okay, Sarah, do the thing. All right. <laughs> Thank you all very much for watching. If you enjoyed it, uh, give us a follow here on Twitch. That is free. Uh, if you really enjoyed it and wish to throw us some of Jeff Bezos's money, you can do that and subscribe with his money if you have Amazon Prime. Um, uh, however, do not feel obliged at all to do so it just simply helps us keep everything keep everything running because it is expensive to keep your podcast on every podcast app which if you're interested we have the audio versions of all of these are podcast podcast which is a little bit of a hiatus right now modified roles right now rainy is doing his solo series play with myself on the internet where he runs through solo rpgs and every now and again that podcast feed will pop up with some other chaos children that we throw into the ether one point at a time uh you can find that on every single podcast app under dms after dark we have all of it on the same feed uh you can follow us on all social medias facebook instagram twitter at dms after dark if you wish to reach out to us you can uh via email at dms after dark at gmail.com if you have any questions comments concerns if you want to show us a cool thing uh, we're always checking the email. Always appreciate hearing from folks. Um, uh, we will send this character art. <laughs> send this character art. <laughs> uh, we will be back in. Is it uh, two weeks with the two first weeks. episode? Of yeah, Request? so that's so, uh, the twenty seventh. January twenty seventh right? yeah. at seven ish mm -hmm. p.m. EST. We'll be back for the yep. character creation session of RuneQuest. Ah, actually, too, we forgot uh, Captain Con. Yes. yes, we'll be at Captain Con also. Amber, do you want to mm -hmm. take that away? February something. The first it's, weekend of February. February 3rd to the 5th. Yeah. There is a local gaming convention here in Warwick, Rhode Island that we will be at. Uh, some of us will be running games. I know Troy is definitely running some Shadows of Estrin if you want to get in on a DMs After Dark run game. Hit yeah. up Captain Con. Yeah, Kent the rest and I of are us gonna be, be about doing... possibly on programming, possibly just playing games at tables. Welcome, You're welcome to join us. Just hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, Kent and I are going to be doing a board game there. 
Nice. Yes, Twilight Imperium. If you want to play a game of Galactic Conquest with me, Kent, and Jess for 12 hours straight, please come join us. God. Oh, God. If you <laughs> for want, Twilight or, Imperium. Or I am like, the rain, I'm the current reigning Galactic Empress, and I plan to maintain my hold on that title. Or so. if you're like me and you just want to see the most terrifying, largest board game in the entire world, uh, we can just go stalk them for a little bit, leave, go get snacks, and then come back in seven hours. Once Amber see that has painted exactly more paint two across her face. Seven hours later. And it's like, yeah, like, if you want to see chaos, you do that. I, I might just do the, uh, like, come and see it and go and eat and come back and see it thing. Yeah. Huh? But thank you again so much for watching and for joining on us on this finale uh, and for this shift in our format. Until next time, maybe the treasure was the kids we adopted along the way. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Feed the plants. Feed the plants. Oh, that's good ones. All right, we're out. The puppy is still around also. He sort of oh, yeah, face, but he made it. Up. He made it, y'all. Yep. Yeah.